about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of dead you're talking about. The Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figures. The Empire's right back turn of the Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Cast. This episode is about collecting the Biker Scout, but it's also about the great Facebook divide. We talk about the Rocket Rider's short snout and proof cards, while also penning an open letter to the unofficial leadership council of the Facebook generation. We invite John Alvarez and Joe Iglesias, the eternally old and grumpy Statler and Waldorf of vintage Star Wars, to share tales of old hobby beefs and how it used to be on Rebel Scum. John pipes in to discuss how he built his storied and dismantled Biker Scout run, and then Joe helps us to think about where the Scout hides in vintage bootlegs. Plus, FX Master History Lessons and a highly improvised Market Watch. It's a fairly different episode in the way that we're really trying to explore the Facebook divide and open up ourselves to a wider discussion about the older collectors, the newer collectors, and what is this social currency that we all share. All of this and... Better things on the 99th Kivecast. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast 99. 99. Whoa. Yeah, we're really <laughs> close to 100, Steve. Very close, yeah. Wow. And uh, if you told me 100 episodes ago uh, where my life would be at episode 100, I don't think I would have had any idea or any guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nuts, right? It's not. I'm I'm drinking with my usual Emperor cup. Yeah. Um, but I've actually had to retire all of my other Burger King cups, Steve. <laughs> well, yeah. Why is that? It turns out, Steve, that the paint on vintage Burger King cups contains lead. Ooh. And the amount of safe contact for you to have with a Burger King cup is five times. Just period. Just. Okay. So if you touch a Burger King Star Wars cup more than five times, you have poisoned yourself with lead. So, so ten years is probably yes. <laughs> not not great. Could explain some of my my lessening uh, brain function. Fewering <laughs> brain function. Yeah, it's right. fewering. My fewering yeah. brain function. Um, yeah. But uh, and you know that's actually you know part of the reason why is I I have a lot of a lot of new stuff in my house uh my my girlfriend has moved in with me yeah and yeah it's been a lot of good things um she really likes the chewbacca stuff and she wants more chewbacca stuff in the house well that's uh that shouldn't be a problem for you <laughs> yeah i sort of don't know what to do with that information it's <laughs> it's it's like i i get that face that garth makes in in wayne's world like where he gets his, excited. his lip is, is kind of quivering lip yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> So I, I, I really don't know what to do with it. And, and another thing that I never would have guessed in 100, in 100 episodes, Steve, uh, is something that has happened since our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, Steve, I am engaged. <laughs> That's oh, it's just amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. And you've definitely heard the whole romance if you've been listening to this podcast. Right. I mean, it's, you, a, it's a you, thread that's been, it's been going for a bit here. Yeah. You've definitely heard all of Steve's as well because he, he <laughs> met Tessa and courted her and got married and all that. Yeah. Um, the only reason that it really matters for the Kivecast, Steve, is, uh, of course, I was your officiant at your wedding. 
That's and, right. And who is my officiant, Steve? That's going to be me. Uh, yes. return, returning the favor here. <laughs> it's it's just about the cutest thing that I think. <laughs> I think it's the cutest thing in podcast history. You can challenge me. Send send me an email. It, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of getting to that weird stage where it's like a TV show that's been on for a, almost too long, <laughs> where all this interpersonal stuff is happening. <laughs> Way to go, uh, Steve. Way I'm, to put us I'm, down. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm flipping it, flipping it a little bit. Usually, usually the one that's that's uh, <laughs> disparaging yeah. the, the podcast. No, no, it's 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 good. I am a little scared. I, I think the one bit of information that I kind of got from uh, your daughter was that she was scared that I was going to fall down some kind of stairs. Yeah. So I'm going to be <laughs> looking at stairs everywhere I go when I get over there. But no, it's I'm really excited. I hope I don't screw it up too bad. <laughs> Well, well, the only request that my, that my uh, my fiance Mariana said is that she wants at least one occasion of you saying "Oh man," so <laughs> that that is uh, that is some pressure. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really exciting. It's really fun. I will say it, and and you experience this too, Steve. Um, it's really hard not inviting all of my Star Wars friends to the wedding. Yeah, no, I, it's it is. Um... It's extremely hard. Um, yeah, I know exactly the feeling. I I just like invited the Star Wars friends that like Mariana like already knows pretty well, you know. Yeah. But I wanted to invite everybody. I wanted, to, but then it's like it can't be a Star Wars party and and the right. whole thing. Yeah. So so if you're listening to this and you're wondering, hey, how come I didn't get invited? Like I actually wanted to invite you. And and even if you're like just one person who like just you know met me at celebration and said Sky I like your podcast like I mean that too but uh, yeah we uh, we're gonna be doing a clam bake Steve so uh, that's a <laughs> very that's, excited for this that's yeah. a very exciting thing you can't just give give clam bakes away to everybody no um, yeah <laughs> and actually two of the people I would have loved to have are gonna be on the show later today Steve yes that's right yeah it's uh, I was thinking about this. It's kind of nuts to me that it's almost a hundred episode in, hundred episodes in, and we haven't had the two of them on together. I don't think, as far as I can remember. Yeah. So, um, so we're gonna have John Alvarez and Joe Iglesias. Right. And another thing I'm going to do. So, Steve, this is the thing. You know, I've I've had like all these grand grand plans for like. Yeah, you know, I like talking about the new collectors and the Facebook collectors and the way that things have changed. And I, I'm sort of obsessed with the, the social dynamics of Facebook versus Rebel Scum versus Raskva, all that stuff. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've, for quite a while, I've wanted to do, I mean, we're going to have Michael Havens on here at some point. And, and I'm going to appear on his podcast. I don't know if you volunteered to as well, but, you know, at least I, I will be, you know. And, and, sure. And yeah. I feel very open to, to him and his world. And so I'm going to be putting in an open letter. We'll be discussing that later to him. Right. And it's funny because Joe and John were like two of the most important people in welcoming me into the hobby. Right. Um, especially yeah. John back in back in the very very early days, and so I sort of wanted to have them on to talk about Rebel Scum, to talk about bootlegs, to talk about the figure of the month, Steve, which we haven't even mentioned. How many minutes I are know, we in? Yeah, we're we're a little ways in. Yeah, we're really we're like, stringing this out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, I'm getting married, and you're <laughs> yeah. marrying me. If you don't like yeah. that, if you're just listening oh, to this yeah. and you're sitting there with your pen and your pencil, <laughs> and you're like, "Damn, he said you're going to be talking about biker scouts." 
I feel I feel for you. There's a lot of podcasts I listen to. I just want to get to the part I want to hear. You know, like if I'm like if I like I just saw the Godzilla movie, and so I find some podcast just to talk about it because I want to hear someone talk about it. And there's like the first ten minutes is all them just BSing about their stupid lives, and I don't know their podcasts, and I don't like them, and I just skip forward until I hear the you know the Lisa mattress ad, and then I know I get to the Godzilla. It's going to be a while till you get to the Godzilla, so just uh, <laughs> skip ahead. Matter of fact, you want to get to the normal parts, I'll put a little uh, drop in here. 22 minutes and 18 seconds, y'all. Go check out the real stuff. All right, so if you're still around, you get to hear us talk about, about these things. So yeah, we're going to be talking about the Biker Scout. Yes. And also, Steve, John and Joe are the best examples of really friendly, welcoming guys who are always in the middle of beef. <laughs> and, and that's just a dynamic I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about like what did beefs used to be like right. on Rebel yeah, Scum? Yeah, yeah. How different are they than the way they are now? Has anything really changed with the new collector, old collector dynamic, or is it all the same? Yeah, no, I, I was digging up some old Rebel Scum threads and seeing some of the, 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 uh, the banter. It's strikingly familiar. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you know, like the the sentiments and the and the vibe. It's just it just might be happening at a bit of a slower pace. <laughs> yes. but uh, but yeah, and I think you're you're onto something there. I, now I was, I did want to have Joe and Michael Havens on at the same time, because on the mock page, if you're not on it, um, they have been having this like. Uh, Cobra and mongoose thing going on for like <laughs> six months, where they just <laughs> go and go and go and and. I I know Joe and I love Joe and I've known him for a long time and I trust him and really like him and I'm giving Michael the benefit of the doubt. I don't you know, know him and love him, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt based on what I feel he's done so far. Um, so I, I don't really have a, a dog <laughs> can let them fight. Like that's basically my that's my Godzilla Ken Watanabe approach right. to the whole right, right. the whole thing. Um, but uh, neither of them uh, agreed. Well, Joe didn't agree, and I didn't ask Michael. So there you go. <laughs> but we we've got a good a good format, I think, in its stead, right? We do, so. we do, yeah. And and well, you know, we'll, we'll have Michael on here, and it's. You know, it's not the episode that I dreamed of, Steve, but it's the episode I deserve. So, <laughs> so hey, hey, do, do we want to do the open letter now? Uh, sure. I mean, I guess this seems about as good a time as any, right? Yeah. So right. what it's called is, is an open letter to Michael Havens, Ross Barr, Robin Bokra, and everyone else who thinks that they should be on that list. And it's not really to them. It's uh, It's more... To the idea of them that for those who are the Facebook decision makers the cultural hubs the societal hubs what is it like me as a representative not the representative notice Steve <laughs> a representative of older collectors what do I see as the problem what do I want you to really understand like like I feel like I feel like we talk to each other, we don't really hear each other. So here is my open letter, which I'm going to insert right here. Open letter to Michael, Ross, Robin, and everyone else who thinks that they should be on that list. In fact, if you think you should be on that list, just put your name in there as an 
old collector, I can't even keep up with the kings and queens of Facebook collecting. It isn't that you don't exist, but that there are so many, in so many places. I literally do not have the mental space to figure out who are the rulers of the various fiefdoms of the Vintage Kingdom. For example, I am on the Model Trem board. I just joined a couple months ago, and on that board there is the King of the Trems who runs it. Honestly, I forget his name. I'm not like trying to be cool here, I'm sure he's a good guy, but he wasn't on my radar 10 years ago, so it'll take more than a quick registering of this guy runs the Trem group, he's the Trem guy, for me to think of him as the Trem guy. Does that mean that I think I'm better than him? Not at all. But it's like he comes from nowhere. Anyway, Michael, Ross, Robin, Trem guy, Brian, Jason, Shane, Sky, all you kings and queens of the new collecting Facebook community, I think instead of calling you by names individually, I'm just going to create one name as a shorthand. One name to represent all of you. Because even though you are all individuals, what I'm talking about here isn't about you as an individual, it's about what you represent in this hobby of vintage Star Wars collecting. For the purposes of this open letter, I'm just going to call you Zuck. So, Zuck, listen, you are not hated by the older collectors. You are not maligned. Your status as a person who loves Star Wars toys as much as anyone else, who does as much research as anyone else, is not in question. Except maybe by some of the angriest of the old-timers. But on the whole, it's more that a change has happened. And right now, it's not clear if that change was for the better. And a lot of people lost something that they had before. They lost power, influence, and most of all, social currency. The issue is that you have all of that stuff, and a lot of it. Power in the form of social currency. And let's look at it another way. You got that currency really quickly. You basically got the currency for being in the right place at the right time. I know, it's harsh. But I think you know it's true. When you received all that social currency, a lot of people had been building up their own power over years. But the nature of the technology meant that someone well-placed with good timing, ambition, and intelligence could swoop in and become the new center. Zuck, you became the tip of the spear for all the newer collectors that came cascading into the hobby as the new movies came out. You became the face, Zuck. And you know what, Zuck? You didn't invent this thing. You haven't put the time in that others have. And that's not an insult. That is just a statistical fact. Does that make you bad, Zuck? No, of course not. But there's a fundamental problem. Before Zuck got to be the face, there were other people who were the face, who worked for a long time, and they had to just hope that it would work. But you know, I'm being too abstract here, Zuck. Let me get more abstract. Let me get conditional. Let me get imaginary. Imagine, Zuck, that this goes on like this for another 10 years. 2029, well over a decade of you running whichever group it is that you run with whatever followers you have, and more importantly, whatever friends you've had for this long time. People who you've known, who've gone to conventions with you, your best friends in the hobby. 
you are a pillar of the community and you are the face for over a decade. But let's imagine if in that year 2029, Facebook is basically destroyed. Let's say there's an anti-monopoly uh, thing put in, in place by President Kardashian. Due to things that have nothing to do with Star Wars, people start leaving the Facebook platform. It becomes impractical. It becomes replaced by other things. Things that are quicker. Things that are easier. Things that are newer, hipper, faster, younger. Let's imagine that the conversation of vintage Star Wars moves to a program called Vid Snatch. This is where people record three-second videos and respond to each other exclusively by video. No typing whatsoever. And those videos disappear after three hours. I mean, this sounds totally stupid, right? How are you ever going to build history on such a intemporal sandcastle of a platform? You look at it and you just think it's ridiculous. Who wants these little three-second videos? You join the service, but you don't really get into it. You have your own VidSnatch account, but you just know this isn't what it used to be. Over on Bespin Prime and the IC and the Timeline Groups and the Collector's Archive podcast Facebook page, they are just mere ghost towns. No one is there but the people who complain about how no one is there. So as this decline comes, you are no longer the face. You are no longer the center of the hobby. It's all of these vid-snatch people. They have tens of thousands of followers. They know who you are, they give you respect, but they make sure that you know that you are not needed for them. They have their own thing, and you do not matter to it. They are the future. Everyone vid-snatches. Let's imagine that the king of the vid-snatchers is, is a guy named Adrian. Virtually every conversation on VidSnatch goes back to Adrian or makes reference to one of his catchphrases. I don't know, he starts a grading company or a convention or a podcast. And everybody who VidSnatches knows that Adrian, 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 Adrian is the most wise, experienced, and knowledgeable collector there's ever been. You literally only heard of him in late 2027, a little over a year ago. But now people talk about him in the same tone that you used to talk about Gus. Adrian makes videos about rocket fets and they get 3 million views. And he becomes, in the mind of the majority of all Star Wars collectors, the world's foremost expert on rocket firing fets. Adrian, in 2029. Now, he'll say that some of your friends did the research. He'll reference some things. But fundamentally, who gets the credit? Who gets the social currency? Adrian. Adrian gives you respect, Zuck. He says, you know, Zuck is a cool old guy. I like Zuck. He's a cool old guy. And that's what you are. And this is what happened to a lot of people. You either had to jump on the train or get run over by it. I did both. <laughs> I, I just use Facebook, Instagram. I even started a VidSnatch account last night. And I've even taken my turn at being the face on the mock page. I tried to get that social currency, and I know what it's like to have it. And I know that it feels good. But I also know what it feels like to know that it's come to people in ways that you are not familiar with. Basically, Zuck, the social currency that you have was not stolen. It was earned. 
The thing is, is that it was much easier for you to earn than it was for those in the previous generation. And sometimes in your ambition and arrogance, you seem to think that it was just as hard for you as it was for them. And sometimes the people in the previous generations act like you don't deserve that currency. Of course you do. You were smart enough, you were ambitious enough, you had the foresight to go out there and get it. You deserve it. You did earn it. But it's not exactly the same thing. And it came at a cost. The good news, Zuck, is that time will heal everything. Every year that passes that you don't disappear, you get to be older. You get to show that you are not a flash in the pan, that the currency that you won was rightfully won. Every year that you don't sell out and go to some other hobby shows that you are not here for the clicks, but for the hobby. Every year you become something better than a leader of the hobby. You become a part of its fabric, its history. If you are still here with us, when Adrian and those vid-snatch noobs take over, you will know how we feel and we will be there together. We will commiserate. We will make fun of Adrian at first. We will hate his arrogance, his flashiness, the way that he has such ease with this technology that confuses us. Eventually, we'll criticize him heavily for something that he does or doesn't do, for people he supports or doesn't support, and then notice that he apologizes. We'll start to sympathize with him and understand that maybe he's not such a bad guy. We'll meet him in person and actually kind of like him. We'll hope that he sticks around and uses his power for good. And then, eventually, we will write him a condescending open letter that comes from a genuine place of goodwill and fellowship. I love you, Zuck. Sky. All right, Steve. You, I'm not. I'm not, not going to play you the letter beforehand. No, no. I, I think I, I just. I think I just have to, to to trust in you there, and and I look forward to having heard it. <laughs> I probably said something insulting to everybody at this point. Yeah, probably so, me too. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. The end uh, is just like a bunch of f words, uh, and and odd racial slurs about you. Um, it's odd. I don't know how it got that way. So. Let's say that this is the point where I say we can drop in and talk about the Biker Scout, Steve. What do you feel about the Biker Scout? Uh, so I, I'm not so sentimental about the figure, but I, I think just as a collector, you have to say it's an awesome toy. I mean, in terms of Jedi figures, I think he's one of the coolest. I don't know how you feel. Um, definitely my favorite toy that I got at a toy store. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you've got you got the the sentimental connection. Yeah. There. Between yeah. between Boba Fett and the Biker Scout, I think I'm trying to like reconstruct my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's funny. Like I say that like <laughs> that's like a deep thing when that's basically <laughs> what most people who listen to this podcast do all day every day. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> um, I'm actually starting to think now that Tom Burgess has a like AI image generator. <laughs> because that dude has so many amazing photographs of his life. Anyways, um, that's uh, from uh, episode two of the Kivecast. Uh, right. I grew up StarWars.com back when that was yeah. a new website that wasn't ten times as big as us. Uh, we, we had him on our podcast. Um, but uh, no, like yeah. I think what happened was I liked Boba Fett. I played the Boba Fett and then Biker Scout came out and I just yeah. dropped Boba Fett. Um, yeah. Because definitely, hey. that was my best memories. That I thought that was the coolest looking thing by far. 
yeah I, I think that's even today that's that's still fair um i think biker scout overfed come on yeah <laughs> and and there's something about the design that's i mean i think that the stormtrooper character looks as cool as a bike i think a stormtrooper looks cooler than a biker scout but a biker scout toy looks cooler than a stormtrooper toy yeah that, that's fair i think it's the the head articulation uh, just how much the helmet looks like a helmet and and when my son started to play with star wars toys in 2007 like he's like two years old or whatever um i just i got him as many clones as he wanted because i wanted to play with them too and i would write on the bottom of the feet <clears throat> ptc which stood for pain trooper core <laughs> and I numbered them all, and I named them all. And my original childhood biker scout is PTC number one. Cause, cause <laughs> nice. I, was, I was trying to create that feeling for him. Yeah, that's uh, downstairs that's, in the toolbox. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say I have a much, I have a really positive memory of the speeder bike. Yeah, yeah. I figured we might as well talk a little bit about the speeder bike this episode. Yes. Uh, but um, yeah, so I didn't have the Biker Scout figure when I was younger, but uh, I used to get a lot of hand-me-down toys from uh, my older half-brother's friend who had a bunch of old Star Wars stuff. And this one day I was getting picked up from preschool and I opened the car and on the seat was a speeder bike, just a loose, not even complete speeder bike. It was missing all the small parts, but I remember being so stoked to see that and just playing with the stupid blow-up feature all the time with whatever figures I had. Um, but, yeah, so the, the speeder bike is something I've, I've always been pretty attached to. But, and I um, have the opposite effect. Right. I, I remember hearing this a while ago that you hated hate that, that thing, toy. right? I think that's one of the biggest <laughs> missed opportunities in all of Star Wars because this is the thing. Not all of us are cool little Stephen B. Danleys hanging around and keeping track of their stuff. Some of us are, are big, messy... <laughs> Uh, sky pains and big messy sky pains like just lose everything all the time and I just like completely lost half of all my biker scout stuff all the time yeah no I I think uh, there's no telling what happened to that thing but I yeah, I got it in pieces and it, it just was worse from there so I, I get the I get the hate yeah and, and it's more that like that was the scene I wanted to recreate the most you know? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Sorry, my daughter just came down to, to grab something. Hazel, did you want to say anything about a Biker Scout? She says no. Um, another thing about the, <laughs> about the Biker Scout is just, as far as nailing it, like, one of my favorite things about Star Wars and Kenner is just, they just never quite get it right. I mean, there's a couple of card backs <laughs> and figures that get it 100% right. But basically yeah. never, you know, even like the most iconic when you think of the Luke figure and card back, his lightsaber's wrong and the figure looks goofy. Or it's like, oh man, the, the, the Han Endor, you know, like, like the, the Biker Scout sculpt is perfect. The card back art is exactly what you want it to be. You can read it yeah. clearly. There's not weirdness going around anywhere. It's just mm -hmm. a very clean, excellently made almost too good you know you, you almost sort of wish it was yeah, a little bit funkier yeah. but uh right right yeah no I'd, I'd agree it's it's one of those ones where it does all come together just right and then the the green backing plate too you yes. know it's it's like it's, it it is almost too perfect it's almost like a a vintage exploitation style modern you're right <laughs> you know vintage figure you know oh, what yeah, I mean? that's in the news steve isn't it the the retro figures 
Right. Those are starting to show up. That's the thing is that they, (laughs) they just always get it wrong by getting it too right. You know, like, like you think once you correct Darth Vader's lightsaber on the card back, okay, now it's going to look good. But it looks so wrong. You just go, no, it's supposed to be weird and purpley. Um, yeah, right. That's, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching a lot of Office. Okay, my fiance likes The Office. Um, now, now we told good. Joe and John that we were going to call them right around now. Maybe we should make them wait and just keep going with our intro or – I'd say let's let's make them wait a little longer. Yeah, yeah. but let, let's have this be a, a good intro. Um, so, Steve, do you have any behind the Steve? <laughs> I've, I've got a bit. All right. Sure. Well, tell me about it, Steve. Let's go behind the scenes. Let's go with Dan and Steve. Let's go behind the Steve. Okay. Well, you know, I think. When you kind of step back, the whole speeder bike chase is really like a standout sequence in all the movies. And I, I think it kind of gets lost, or at least it did for me when I was younger, because it's right in the middle of this movie that has all this other stuff going on. So I always kind of forgot about it. But it's one of those things where you realize how much work went into making that scene happen. Yes. Um, and there's some kind of funny bits about it. I mean, I like the idea that from the very beginning they were calling the speeder bikes rocket bikes and that kind of was persistent through most of, and it wasn't until like i think probably when they were producing merchandise and stuff that you saw speeder bike as the term that was being used it was always rocket bike which i thought was kind of it's very like flash gordon kind of odd kind of kind of goofy really yeah i, um, I wonder is it better or worse i don't know i don't know i mean if, if star wars was made uh, if, or if Lucas had made Star Wars in the early, the, you know, Jedi in the prequel era, they would have been called rocket bikes. You know, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So in terms of um, the designs and stuff, I mean, I'm always fascinated to see how things kind of transform. And with the bikes themselves, they basically had to go through 200 drawings before they they got it. Wow. And it wasn't even a drawing. It, they had to. Joe Johnston basically, when he was sick of drawing speeder bikes, he just started playing around with model kits and basically kind of just kit patched the thing. And that's basically what it ended up being. Um, so it was just kind of funny that they, they put on all this time to, to try and draw it on paper and they never quite got it right. Um, but what he, what he had said about it, which I thought was, it made sense. And it was actually kind of cool is that more than any other machine or, or vehicle in any of them or in, in, in that movie, they kind of look like they would actually work and that that kind of came from <laughs> from building it you know from actual pieces and, and putting it together everything else may not work so well but the speeder bike looks like it actually could be real and i remember thinking that you know, too maybe it's because younger. it doesn't hover i mean it hovers when it flies yeah. but when it sits down it has right. those, those kinda, weird flaps yeah it makes it seem more real right and and then, yeah. and then you brought right. up that uh, something from the one of my favorite Star Wars movies, Star from Star Wars to Jedi, the, the making of. Yes, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so that I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but uh, they toys were a big part in kind of making this sequence what it is. Um, they use some like 12 inch figures for some of these telematic video footage, and then some of them even have the regular three and three quarter inch figures in there, and. Uh, speaking of Boba Fett, he's the one that's kind of subbed in for the biker scout. Yeah, it's, it's the twelve-inch biker scout figure. And then another thing I find like absolutely fascinating is the scene where Luke confronts the, 
you know, uh, confronts the biker scout and, you know, like chops his thing yeah. off. Right. They use a Luke Bespin figure, but they yeah. painted it yeah. black. Right. So right. this is like, yeah. I guess they knew he was going to be dressed in black. Right. Yeah. I think at that point they, it, it was all, I think probably some of the live action stuff had been shot already. So they, they kind of knew what he was going to look like. And it's, it's cool that they went through that, like to that level of detail to, to make the figure dressed kind of like you would look in the movie. So then that's um, the real question. I mean, obviously yeah. it is, I understand that the, you know, the, the rocket firing Boba Fett from the, the back of the card back, whatever is the number one Holy grail of all time. But right. But I've never even heard anyone talk about this figure. No, I, I don't think I have. This either. must've been hand painted yeah. by like Joe Johnston or someone in his crew while making the movie. Right, right. And it's a Luke Bespin, Luke Jedi hybrid prototype. Yeah. Prop. <laughs> It's like every word in that sentence makes it more valuable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever heard any. Who knows? I mean, I, I would love to know whether that thing is out oh, there it's somewhere. De- it's definitely you know? in a box. It's probably it's, just somewhere in in Marin. You know, just sitting in in some probably. box with with other other stuff. Um, that that might be a fun yeah. thing to bug Sansweet about if if that's because I mean yeah. I don't I know he doesn't have direct access, but or or Pete Vilmer or somebody like who. Because I mean, that would be at least a good article, right? I mean, couldn't you imagine an article yeah, I, in in StarWars.com? Does that still exist? <laughs> yeah, they they do okay. still exist. But just like you know, <laughs> um, the toys that made the movie, right? Right. Yeah, I, I feel like there might even be something similar uh, for an Empire scene. Not not for this, but for like a different like twelve inch Luke that was used for for some stunt or shot an empire that was actually just a, a regular figure um so yeah there's precedent for that it'd be totally awesome to see um yeah and then i guess the last bit is the design of the scouts themselves and i always thought it was weird that they were thinking about actually showing a stormtrooper's face for the first time huh. because the the uh the helmets have those kind of visors and in some drawings those flip up and you just see a regular dude's face <laughs> And uh, it, it just seems like it would have been so strange for uh, a stormtrooper to actually have a human face in the movie, which it just seems odd, right? I don't know. You see all these other Imperial guys that are just, you know, white guys. But, right. but you know, to see this a stormtrooper as a human like, on screen to me, I think that would have been odd. But, um, yeah, there's some, some cool storyboards of the scene, too, where you can see this. Uh, there's this weird shot of um han punching one of the scouts so hard that his visor actually pops up and you can see the guy's face wow. underneath uh and chewie's kind of there going rambo with the bowcaster it, it it just i think they probably had a lot more like even more craziness to this originally in mind when they were you know conceptualizing it but um yeah i don't know it, it i just like seeing all this stuff that went into this this sequence and seeing how it all came together yeah it's it, it it's such a huge sequence. I, I mean, I remember being whatever sixth at the time, and it definitely was the thing I remember the most. It was the biggest deal. I rem- I think I remember thinking that it was more impressive than I actually liked it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I recognized so. that it was supposed to be my favorite part of the movie. I don't know if it actually right. was. 
Yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I was getting at too. Or like, I, I think I was always paying more attention to other stuff, yeah. but knowing that this is supposed to be awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I do have a Skyku, Steve. Yes, yes, very and, important. Uh, I'm, um, it's hard. I, I could have done multiple. I just did one. Um, and the important okay. piece of information, of course, is the the the, the Lucasfilm. The, the Kenner Products uh, description sheet of the figures before they were actually named. We've already right. discussed yes. how Klaatu was, was woof. Uh, we've already discussed right. how they were going to do Hermione. Um, but it's definitely <laughs> worth talking about the fact that he was the Rocket Rider. Yeah. Biker Scout was Rocket Rider. And. Yes. I think it's better as a Biker Scout. Uh, that, that makes more sense for how he looks like. Like a rocket rider has a whole separate image in my head of what it would be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so th this right, is about 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 the, the biker scout uh, and and also about the color scheme of Endor, which is so important. <laughs> we talked about it a long time ago with C three PO not having a camo gear, um, <laughs> but just that Lucas is obsessed with black and white as problematic colors in a world of green and a world of gray. And really, Lucas is trying to move away from those concrete, like, bright, outstanding lights, you know, like colors, and instead wanted to focus more on earth tones. So that's also it, too. <clears throat> Prefaced here. This is good. <clears throat> Rocket Rider rides, black-white, surrounded by green, forest moon, his grave. Beautiful. Wow. Yes. A simple very, one. Very nice. Not necessarily comedy, but yeah. it can't all be comedy, Steve. No, no, no. That, that That's not... Uh, it doesn't have to be there every time. No, no. it's good. Nicely done. So what, what else do we have to do before we in, invite on our... Uh, our... Um, well, it uh, doesn't have to necessarily, necessarily be before, but we had a couple other just... I always just go digging for as much junk as I can. Um, and with, with Biker Scout, there was some, some fun... Foreign stuff. Um, right, let, let it ride. Tell me more, Steve. Okay. Well, so I thought we could we could highlight a couple of things from the Netherlands. Um, so we have a couple of, of clipper items that are on the archive. Um, one is this. Uh, it's like an ad for a speeder bike contest. Have you seen this? I saw that you sent it, but I didn't really look at okay. it or understand it. <laughs> Okay, so I don't completely understand it either because it's it's in Dutch. Okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna do my my best to kind of figure out what's going on. But it's it's basically a, a flyer. It looks like it was probably out around the time that Jedi was out on video. So there's a little snip or snipe at the top that mentions video. Uh, but it it pictures the biker scout on a speeder bike, kind of flying through a model forest, and <laughs> I guess this is what if you were going to try and describe or what they thought a speeder bike would sound yes. like. <laughs> it's four S's followed by three C's and a H. Yeah. Uh, so this, this apparently was advertising some kind of giveaway for toy stores where you could potentially win a speeder bike. And I tried to get a, a rough translation of, of what the ad is saying and the main question it poses is how will your wild chase on the speeder bike in the Endor forest end? Oh my god. And uh, yeah, I guess you kind of already answered that with the sky coup. I did. It, it's a grave. <laughs> but, <laughs> forest moon, his but, uh, grave. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, there's that's one clipper uh, piece, and then another one that I thought was was kind of fun was the uh, there's this there's a couple of items that were available as mail away items, and they only seem to be clipper things, which is weird. But one of them is the uh, like the full size biker scout laser pistol like role playing toy, yes. and I figured we'd, we'd bring that up at some point, but uh, I just thought that. Because we had this other clipper piece, it might be kind of cool to, to mention. But it's it's a cool toy on its own, but this is some probably pretty tough-to-find foreign mailer. The box is just a, a box that has the, the clipper information on it. But something that was just kind of oddly exclusive to the Netherlands was was mailing away for this thing. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, Steve, pretty often on this show, more often than you would think, I see an item and I realize I don't know if I even knew that existed. I don't, I don't, I I don't know that I didn't know the biker scout laser pistol existed, Steve. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I I must. I mean, I love the biker scout as my favorite character, and the idea of shooting a gun was my favorite thing. So maybe I knew it existed, and I I gave myself some right. kind of amnesia to cover up for the pain of knowing I'll never get to own it. Um, <laughs> but this was a release toy, Steve. Yeah, it sure was. How have I never even seen yeah. it in all my collecting? Is it super rare? Do I don't I, am know. Am I just not looking? I, I don't think it's super rare. I'm, I'm sure this, this Clipper Mailer version is probably tough, but it looks like the toy itself is just the, the standard Kenner version. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think we got to pay more attention to these these kind of tangential, you know, non-action figures. Well, I got toys. news for I mean, you, Steve. A lot when of we hit episode up. 200, we're going to be out of figures. <laughs> so we're going to be going back yeah, and we're going to be start. like, I know that we casually mentioned the Escape from Death Star game, and I know that we had right. two episodes about its American box, but have we discussed its Canadian box on this month's <laughs> Kivecast? So let's give me 100 episodes. Uh, and right now, uh, Chris Joglius and Ron Salvatore are breaking their iPhones. They cannot believe about it. I didn't know that the stamp thing existed, okay? Right. But I'm actually more right. embarrassed not knowing about the stamp thing because still, I still think this might be an unproduced toy. This, Biker Scout laser pistol. <laughs> the colors look all wrong. It's all like light. It's like light. It's like a lime green on the inside. This is a really well made custom, Steve. Yeah, I know. It's it's quite nice. Um, well, we just got pinged by by uh, by John. I think he he's raring to right. go. So maybe we should we should give them all a right, call. We'll come right. Back. We'll talk to them, and then we'll just have our random Biker Scout thoughts <laughs> as Sky learns all sorts of things. Yes, yeah, educational. Endor playset? Okay. <laughs> Don't know that. All right, Steve. Well, somehow, almost 100 episodes in, we finally have the the bootleg brothers, the <laughs> the the two probably most influential people uh, in the hobby back when I started, Joe Iglesias and John Alvarez. How's it going, boys? Hey, good, good. And that's the bootleg mafia. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's what we were dubbed at one point in time, the bootleg mafia. Yes. Oh, good no. lord. I also <laughs> kind of think yeah. you guys. Jerry Glasses and Company. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
and John Alcatraz. That, that's still the absolute best trolling I've ever seen, and I probably yes. paid money to find out who did that. <laughs> okay, so so let, let's get into that because I've already prefaced this a bit earlier in the show that that you guys are are very much connected to what I think of about like hobby guardians and people who are not afraid to like have unpopular opinions and in particular whenever a troll pops up you guys are like the first to jump in and get into a flame war with a troll um and and so because of that like you have a lot of funny stories and i don't even know the story of john alcatraz and joey glasses so would one of you please tell me what is the joke there all right at one point in time i ended up with a stalker who made a fake page with a bunch of like pictures of boxes with the Uze logo printed on them, and he did this. He did all these mock mock-ups of various people in the hobby. Um, I became Joe Glasses. Mm -hmm. John became John Alcatraz. <laughs> um, then there was like uh, I forgot what Chris was supposed to be, and then like there was Vane's shirt on for Shane. Yeah, that was Shane, and there was there was Shane. Gus was bust something. Yeah, there's, there's a shot of us all around the table. Uh, it, it, it's like, you know, one of those mafia meeting tables, and he's got little <laughs> signs above all of our heads, like, noting what our names are. So that was actually trying to make fun of you. Yeah, but we, we actually oh, liked yeah. it. I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I did not even get mad from day one. Like, sometimes when trolls would push buttons, they would really agitate me. That was so good that everybody was just in tears about it. It was the best trolling I've ever seen. So, I made so, I made the Joe yeah. Glasses thing into my into my avatar for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we okay. So if there are any trolls out there who want to come up with cool names for us, you know, we're we're ready, right, Steve? <laughs> uh, it's gonna like, be like tough. Stephen B. Like girly or something, or <laughs> no? I actually I have it already for you. I, I once got mistakenly sent uh, some checks from my bank that said Stephen B. Dandy. So that, that's, that's one right. that I've, I've heard often. So that, that I guess that would be oh. probably the first one for me. So I okay, like so then, that. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're, we're, we're on the age of, of, of Facebook and, and Facebook beefs and stuff like that. So uh, what, what was it like? Like, what was it? What was trolling like back in the rebel scum days, like circa 2004 to 2012 or whatever it was like, like what was the usual sort of life cycle of a troll and your interaction with them? maybe two or three threads before they finally got banned or, you know, realized they weren't going to win. Okay. <laughs> Does that sound about right, John? Joe and I, Joe and I were literally we're troll magnets. magnets. <laughs> yes. We, we were. Like, people would come out of nowhere. Like, people who literally became legitimate collectors later. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? The the, the Swedish dude. Matthias? Juan, he, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he's a, an airline pilot. Oh. Uh, pilot Swedish dude um, he's um, actually Swedish but he lives in like the Emirates oh Rasmus when he first came onto the scene he absolutely despised me for no reason at all <laughs> and he just came at me all the time and I remember when we went to London he showed up at the bar one night and they're like he's here and I was like oh god this is going to be horrible and we ended up becoming great friends like right after that <laughs> Like, once he got to know who I was, he realized, like, there's this persona that people assume about me and Joe. And, and because we were so brash when it came to confronting people who are trolls, a lot of times people read that that 
well, we were just jerks. Can we curse on this? Uh, you can. <laughs> I, I, can I was just going to curse, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't, so I don't no, know go if we're allowed to. <laughs> sometimes I leave it on, sometimes I don't. Who knows? So you just go ahead. But, but they, people would just think we were assholes, basically. Right. And, and once they got to know us, they'd realize it, it wasn't that we were really the online. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, but in a good way. <laughs> uh. But he hated me at first, and a lot of people had that attitude towards us. Like, he came, he came at me, and I remember he was like, oh, you, you think you're impressive with your hundreds of card figures? I'm like, dude, right now I think I have two in my collection. <laughs> like, every assumption he had about me was completely wrong. And then when, when after one night hanging out in the bar in London, like, we became good friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the sense that that happens a lot. And it is true. I do remember <laughs> you, you, you guys being magnets. And the, the thing that I don't think Facebook collectors understand is how much smaller the world was when it was Rebel Scum. Yeah, because you just had basically one forum, and everything was had a hierarchy built into it because you like the day you started was there, the number of times you posted was there, so like right, like you couldn't show up and just be like I'm the guy because like you just couldn't do that. You could say I'm going to be the guy, and then three years later, if you were really working at it, someone might show up and say, Oh, there's the guy, you know. Um, See that 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 did work for the most part, but then there were anomalies. Like Duncan was off the radar for years, and when he showed up on Rebel Scum, some people even, you know, commented about him being new. And it's like, dude, this guy's been around for like thirty years at this point. Just because <laughs> yeah. he just now got onto a message board doesn't mean he's a new collector. He probably <laughs> has forgotten more than you know. Yeah, or or up until Celebration Five, I thought of him as that guy with the long hair. I legitimately didn't know who he was. I thought that was me. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he he. I mean, like like truly, I sold him something in L.A. and I didn't know who he was. Like I I just I just didn't. And you know, my trademark is stupidity, so I'm okay there. Uh, I just found out. Well, he used John, to be very under yeah. the radar before yeah. him and Gus started putting out the books. Like he was, everybody knew his name. And he had this ridiculous collection he put together for years, but a lot of people didn't put faces to names. And then some, somehow he started doing the, the, the conventions and writing books, and everybody knows who he is now. But years ago, he was really quiet and under the radar and just did his thing and had a ridiculous collection. And yeah, not many people knew him, but everybody knew of him. Yeah. And one of the nice guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's one of the you know nice people I've ever met. Hobby definitely tell you yeah. that much. That was yeah, but he, awesome he was definitely an anomaly. He was because Joe was trying to say quiet and unassuming over and over again, and then John just kept talking over him, which is, was a very <laughs> funny audio thing. Because <laughs> Joe was being quiet and unassuming, and then John's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> "Oh man." <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to these group phone conversations. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 great. And and when it, when it comes to like those beefs too, that's the other thing was like it, it did I don't know, it, there seemed to be a lot less of a gray area. Like it seems that there's a lot of room to like be a scammer or be a troll on Facebook and then just sort of show up again. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I know I, people talk about the memory thing, and, that, and that's true that there's less of a memory, but it's it's just odd because when I think about like some of the great weirdos and pranksters and like pariahs of the hobby, they never would have showed up on Rebel Scum again and just kind of said, 
oh, here I am. Even though they could have hidden their names and they could have changed, you know, their appearance. Um, yeah, they, they never really quite seemed to do that. Sith Lord Toys, SLT. Oh, my God. Uh, Albert, is it Albert Cannon? Albert. Albert. Albert came back 10,000 times with fake names. <laughs> oh, okay, and kept so what, getting what's caught the story? over and over again. Okay, tell us, the, Albert, tell us the story. Albert was uh, Albert was truly insane, and he also ended up doing time for like attacking his grandmother with a knife and sexually molesting <laughs> someone in his family. Like seriously, like you can look oh up the God. news articles for it. It's, it really yeah. He he's like, he he's on he's on the pedophile list right now. He did something like he raped his cousin, and <laughs> the the mother tried to tried to confront him, and he hit the mother with like a garbage can or something, and. His stepfather stepped in and wound up shooting him in the stomach to take him down. Because this is a big dude. He was like 6'5 and heavy set. Like, he was a big guy. And he, like, I got threatening messages from him. A bunch of us got threatening messages from him. Because oh, he yeah. just kept showing up over and over again. And every time he'd get caught, he'd put people on his hit list. And he'd send them threatening messages. When I see you, I'm going to get you and stuff. And, like, he showed up at one of the celebrations. And all of us were kind of terrified. <laughs> oh my. So so what, what did this guy do, Joe? What, what was his crime in the hobby? Um, he just kept going on and on about how his figures are the best and the graded ones in the hobby. And how nothing else mattered other than his AFA graded figures. Like, just, like, coming across like he wanted to be, like, the king of the hobby, you know. Kind of like right. other people do uh, right now, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it seems yeah, he like actually, the Rebel he... Scum stuff. It, it was just things were heightened to these like insanely extreme levels with, with some of these cases. Whereas I don't know, it just imagining it just seems like all this stuff is it's almost mythical <laughs> at this point, you know? Well, it was, well it was Albert a actually time committed no crimes or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I think it, right now yeah. the reason I'm sorry, the reason why I think that right now a lot of scammers get to keep coming back and coming back is A, because the hobby's gotten so much larger since with the Facebook era and with the mouse buying the franchise um, also I think that the hobby's moral compass is severely off at this stage in the game Yeah, if you want me to be really uh, blunt I, about I, it I couldn't agree with you more, back then people saw something wrong and stood on the right side of the hobby and and now it's like people look at something like decade toys and people like me or ritter whoever we, we we comment about it and warn people and they're like oh why don't you just let that go that was a long time ago like nobody cares about the fact that that this guy was so deceitful and robbed so many people for so much money and now he shows off good stuff and everybody just is like oh just just leave them alone and like they literally go against you for pointing out that the person committed fraud like yeah, legitimately stole from people stuff. who yeah, cares I, if they get good stuff that guy will never get a penny from me yeah nope. I, I i don't know how much you've been paying attention john but i'm probably even more than mike the most on him on facebook um just because i've been really been trying to do my time on the facebook thing so people don't think of me just as a, as a snob it's working out great, um, but uh, <laughs> but I'm a snob who shows up. Wow. That's what I want my reputation to be. You know, like I may be a snob, but I'll go to. The, I'll, I'm I'm here. I don't think I'm. You think I think I'm better than you, but I don't think I think I'm better than you. Um, but uh, yeah, so like like 
the decade toys thing the, the Sean Lines thing is pretty amazing and it is a it is a funny thing because it's really hard to gauge I mean like what Joe's saying about the moral compass of the hobby being off I think it's right and one of the main reasons is that people just are not people just are not on the same page so like if we take as an example you know Michael Havens who, who Joe obliquely referenced and we talked about his beef we don't need to get into it but he is a hundred percent against decade toys and Sean nine asked and 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 good for him and he's on the right side of history there and and so is Joe that's after so, he'd allowed but that's after he'd allowed Nyhuis into his group for a reasonably long period of time and then decided oh yeah I'm gonna make myself look like the good guy and throw him out Right, and so if if you have an unsympathetic look towards it as Joe does, that you know he was just doing it to save face. Uh, I I actually I, I I give him the benefit of the doubt on that. That's okay. We don't Joe and I don't need to fight about that. But the point is, that at least right now, that's the public face of all of it. But then it's like, well, yeah, but you know he's getting his stuff graded by CAS, and so does that mean no. that Ross is supporting him? And well, maybe he is, but isn't. And and then all of a sudden it gets like, and then I buy something from CAS, and it's like, wait, does that mean that I'm supporting the Sellersville guy? And you know, like everything just like to actually have yeah. a a full on super hard line. I don't know how possible it is, given on how twisted and mixed up everything is. Like I think you can try, and I try to have as hard of a line as I can, but it's. I think it might actually be harder now. Steve, am I crazy about that? Just because, because no, no, I, I, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't think Just that's... because he owned it at one point doesn't mean if somebody else was selling it, I wouldn't buy it because it went through his hands at one point. But I would just never buy directly off of him. I just, I've, I've had a hate-hate relationship with him. It's not even a love-hate. <laughs> it's just hate-hate for... <laughs> It's got to be the past 20 years. He was like 14, 15 years old or something when he first started dealing. And he would show, he's another one who would show up constantly on Rebel Scum with different names. And I would catch him constantly and call him out on it. And I, I've just, I've never found a redeeming quality about him at all. Even if you do get something from him there's a good chance that there's something wrong with it that was undescribed and you're going to wind up getting screwed in the long run anyway. So I've, I've always just sided with the do not support him directly. And, and you were talking about websites. One of the, one of the best feelings I've had recently is I saw, I, I logged on to the, the archives Facebook page and I saw he had commented on something in there and I just went into settings, deleted him, blocked him <laughs> and emailed, emailed Tommy giggling about it. And that was it. I was like, I just blocked nine ass. He had the nerve to be on the archive page and me and Tommy got a chuckle out of it. And that was the end of it. Never yeah. messaged him, never confronted him. Just goodbye. You're blocked. See you around. I have no time for him. Yep. Oh, he was the only person banned from the archive party. So that, that, that was pretty fun. Steve, have we even talked Good. about that yet? I don't think we have, actually. <laughs> no, because Steve and I were really nervous because we never said no because it goes to a charity and all that. But I'm like, man, I don't want this guy there. So we, I, I wrote a letter that was like, it was like, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. 
We refused service to you. Like I didn't blame him of anything, but it, like I was trying to be service to you. I was I was trying to be like as neutral as I could about it. Yeah, because, right. Because you know, I, yeah, because I, it might as well be. And I was like worried that it was not legal. But I had you know I've talked to people who know about the law, and they said it was fine, and it was a private event, so we had all the rights to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, Good. but then, but then I get Steve. Did you know I get accused of being paranoid? <laughs> do you now? <laughs> I do. I mean, so first a paranoid of all, snob. A paranoid snob, right? Of, of course, there's my famous pet theory that Top Toys doesn't exist. The whole, the <laughs> whole know, thing. That's, that's probably the yeah. That's the apex. That's of not the craziest thing. <laughs> but Ninast, no. but Ninast has been selling graded, uh, uh, unproduced droids and Ewoks, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I saw when he put that UD set together. Yeah. And by, by put together, I mean bought it from Tom. Right. And, and, and he bought it, and now he's selling it. Uh, but he's selling it for a little bit of a loss, Steve. Good. So, uh, yeah, I like to see him lose money. That's what everyone's saying. Mm. Steve? Mm. I, I don't know about your, your tone here. How much <laughs> would it cost? Okay. If he owns the original graded figures, right? <laughs> I know where you're going with To this make now. a facsimile <laughs> of the graded figures and sell those. And just and then sell the originals to somebody who's unscrupulous and just wants the UDEs and breaks them out. Mm. Okay, I, I get that I'm crazy, but this is the kind of scumbag that we're dealing with. That's less crazy than buying something from him and thinking it's not fake. I'm just going to put that out I wouldn't there. put it past him. I would Thank not you. put that past him at all. Yeah, just, but somebody already did it. Mark already, Mark already got somebody to to use originals and and scan them or whatever and made molds and he's been making plastic ones that are pulled right from originals. Yeah, and I'm just yeah, saying. So, I like, mean, they're already out there. Right. With with all that kind of in your mind, yeah, I I don't think that's that's not as crazy as you might initially think, Sky. And, yeah. and so he can say like, oh, I've got good provenance, and everyone goes, oh, he's got good provenance, and he's selling them for less money. So this scum-sucking guy who's been <laughs> robbing people for 30 years is all of a sudden taking a loss on a deal so that he can sell through quicker. It's his big score. Anyways, were they crazy. Were they graded? Do they have serial numbers? Like... Could they be traced back to AFA? I don't remember looking at the cases that yeah, closely. Yeah, yeah, they were. I think they were all, you know, verified through CIB and all that. Um, so if they've got serial numbers, I mean, they're traceable. If he broke them out of the cases, then they and and had them regrade, had like fakes graded in their places, they'd have different serial numbers. Yeah, but you just fake the. Oh, make fake labels. Right. Fake labels, fake. I games, guess fake everything. I mean, I, I don't I think it's probable, fair. but I make the point simply to say that it's if you possible. that yeah that that you might do, it. and I argue that it's not. There's nothing ethical about buying those. Not you're not getting figures out of his hands into good hands. Once they went into his collection, dead. They're dead. Just screw it. Don't touch it. Don't do it. Like I know that. it's about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of dead. You're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well. <you> know. <laughs> anyway. But but that's a great example of the old rebel scum mentality and just old rebel scum beef because all that I do is every time like like literally every time he posts something I say you know buyer beware this guy is a scammer and there you go and they say oh really and then I put like 50, 50 rebel scum threads and then they say oh thank you and then like a day later something happens and another three hundred people have never seen it and I have to post it again and over and over again 
Um, I used to do that all the time with uh, Mario, FX Master, and with uh, with you Nick. You friends with FX Master. Ooh. Friends. Okay, so, so, so tell us you about FX Master. Master. You would this you is good. Buddy, buddy, buddy with him. <laughs> <laughs> we had an interesting relationship. <laughs> okay, so so Joe, he what was the email, FX He used to email me all the time, but we, we, we still, he knew I was still trying to take him down, but we, we had a peaceful it was like that scene in heat where uh, uh pacino and de niro are sitting across the table talking to each other <laughs> but like he knew he knew i was trying to take him out and he knew he was trying to get over but we were still very peaceful when we talked to each other and, and what, Mario, what, what was his last name salcedo salcedo yeah, <laughs> he what? did something he did something, and Joe went and researched once and found out where he lived and sent him sent him an article that said, congratulations on your new child, and Mario left him alone after that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what did he do? to a mafia. <laughs> what, what, what is the FX toy story? Well, he used to make these fake, uh, quote-unquote, Dutch bootlegs. Okay. And they were these, like, two packs on Empire Strike Back-looking uh, cards. And they aesthetically looked really nice. They were spray glued on there. They were custom painted, either custom painted, custom painted vintage figures or recasts that he'd done himself. And when he, they first hit, no one knew they were fake, and a bunch of people spent a lot of money on them. And then it all started coming out, and he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And he like pretty much, you know, mocked everyone for having bought them and enjoyed the fact that he screwed people over. Wow! And and did he ever they, make they, any, they were, any biker scouts? Uh, yeah, I actually owned two of them at one point. <laughs> uh, I so had an example of each one. The ones on the archive were all from my, my personal collection. I tracked down one of each loose. Um, I took them apart to see how they were made. Uh, I bought them for next to nothing. I refused to pay real prices for them. People sold them to me for like five bucks a piece or whatever, just so that I could get them and put them together for the article. And I held on to them for years, and then uh, our friend Seth wanted them for his own personal collection, so I let them go to him, and he still has them. But I didn't buy them thinking they were real. I didn't buy them to support him. I bought them to see how they were put together and uh, used it to put together the article on the archive warning people about them. Yes, and this is a good point too, Steve. Is yeah. that I mean, uh, Joe's been a little bit more in the public eye as a great contributor to the Star Wars Collectors Archive, um, but John has a lot of great articles on there, and and this I'll, we'll include a link to it. He has a John's whole an archive editor. Yes, he's got more. He's got more to do with it than I do. <laughs> yeah, and and he's he, uh, we just we haven't. So basically, John, like when we started the podcast was when John started like not being as active in the hobby. And I'll, ne I'll never forget because John was one of the first people I approached about the podcast. And he was like... You did. You sent me one of your demos. Yeah, you're like, why would anyone listen to it? It's a visual hobby. And then that was... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was his... Uh, that was his, I was it, a little standoffish about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but he wrote an entire article. All So if you just look up FX Master Fake, the SWCA, you'll find it. And you'll see all these great pictures. Um, and, and someday... Um, Steve, we should just get them both on to just go through all the great fake bootlegs throughout all time. That's, that, that's like an entire special right yeah, there, I yeah. think. I mean, yeah. that would be 
a couple hours of conversations about fake bootlegs. Um, but this is a nice uh, orange and black biker scout, which actually I, I like that one. That's quite nice. Speaking <laughs> of, of fake, one of the conversations I had with Mario, it actually came out that he was so against me and Joe being against him because he thought we made the model trims and we were selling them. And he was mad that he was making his own and selling them. And he thought that we were making fakes and we were trying to shut him down from making fakes while we were making money. Like, he didn't realize they were actually a legitimate line. Wow. So, like, that was his excuse was that, well, you guys are doing it. Why, why are you coming after me for it? And then he found out, oh, they're real. <laughs> so, no, we didn't make them. We just had a lot of them. We had access to, you know, we, we'd been some of the earlier ones to find big deals with them. Uh, Gonzalo was one of the first ones that found them, and then I remember Joe found a, a, a contact, and I was terrified of this. Uh, he found a guy, and we got a near-complete collection of them for something like 1500 bucks. Wow. Like, you could get one for that price these days, and, and <laughs> I know. we literally got a near-complete set. Mint. And, and we just split them up, and I was terrified because it was some random dude we had never met. And and we just sent him fifteen hundred dollars to Brazil, and we're praying that something yeah, showed up in the mail. Western Union, to boot. Yeah, Western Union. And two weeks later, while John was pulling his hair out and I was sweating bullets, the box showed up on my on my porch, and it was everything. He was, called uh, me up. He's like, "They're here! They're here!" <laughs> wow. So it was like a, it was basically they were unknown at that point. They weren't unknown, but yeah, Gons had turned up like a Vader. What did Gons turn up like a Vader and like one or two other ones, and they were kind of rusty with no accessories. And then we we'd started finding a couple of them, and then Joe got this email. Like I said, it was like a near complete set, and they were all dead mint with boxes, and it was like holy cow! Like this was like brand new territory. That wasn't from Raphael, was it? No. Uh, what's do, his name? Do you remember that guy, Raphael in Brazil? Rafa? Do, um, he, Rafa was the guy with the Vlixes, no? I believe so, yes. He had, he had Vlixes and he had some model tramps. But and I can't remember this guy's name right now. He was the guy who had the Uzai that I bought in 2006. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I still have his, uh, his certificate of authenticity. But not a certificate of hey, how about you pack it with some uh, something to protect the bubble. Um, <laughs> the, the, the most famous John Alvarez moment was him saying, laughing at me for paying uh, seven hundred dollars for that Uzai, uh, dead mint Uzai Chewbacca, saying, "I printed out that auction. They'll never sell for that much again." Like just making fun of me. <laughs> and one with a completely now added bubble. zero to everything. Yeah, just sold for seven k. So there you go. Oh, Look, the, the 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 hobby is one of those strange things. Over the years, that for some strange reason the bubble never popped and just got more and more. I never in my wildest dreams would have guessed that things would be selling for what they sell for these days. For what you paid for that Chewbacca at the time, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was a wise investment. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Yeah, but that, we all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was funny uh, because, I mean, just like hearing that, Steve. Part of the reason why I just said some random guy's name and had them think about it and talk about it mm-hmm. is is that that really is the thing that that the the value of older collectors like like us, 
um, is not just that we have wisdom, but like where that wisdom comes from. And so if you've only been collecting for 10 years, right, which is still a long time, like you don't have like random people who you, and, and you will in the future, right? Like there'll be people on Rebel Scum where they'll be like, oh, I mean on Facebook, we'd be like, right. oh, do you remember that dude like in England who had all those pal toys out of nowhere? And like, like, you know, you'll be able to talk about it, but it's just so funny that like there was this guy named Raphael who 15 years ago had a, a couple of licks in, Blixi, uh, and and had you know had these things and just like I don't know I I, right. I just yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna edit that out because I thought well it's not that interesting hearing Joe try to think like what did that guy have but like it's just kind of, it's kind of fun. No, you're 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 right. Like who who was that Canadian guy who had all those clear bubble power of the forces? Right. Oh yeah, we talked about yeah. him uh, a couple months ago or a year ago. Like that's one of those things where that guy here. <clears throat> We're referring to the Dogatuna find. And, um, you know, we said that we, we discussed this about a year ago. By that, uh, we mean April 2013. <laughs> so, uh, that's how time passes in this hobby. Uh, you can find it uh, on YouTube, by the way. Uh, episode 39, The Mysterious Baron Lando. It's, that's actually a pretty cool episode. Uh, we talked to Brock... Um, about collecting Lando. We talked to Rob Mantia about the basement bounty hunter fakes, if you're interested in that. Um, anyways, that's a good episode. Go, go check it out. Okay. The guy just John. came out of nowhere and yeah. had all this stuff, and people bought it up, and like I never heard from him again after that. Right. He just came yeah, yeah. and went and yeah. had a ridiculous treasure trove. But if you weren't around, it's just like this mythical story you hear about. Like yeah. all of us were there and saw it when it happened on Scum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, Getting yeah. back to good trolls, remember the Yak Face hard copy? Ooh, this sounds good. <laughs> Tell us about copy, the Yak Face hard copy, Joe. Sky, one more time here. Just to make it clear, Joe is referring to a Yak Face hard copy paint master. Paint chips attached to it that was authentic and sold many years ago on Rebel Scum. That, that's the, the basic thing we're talking about here. It wasn't clear. You'll hear how he says it. But the story's good. Listen up. Oh. Okay, on uh, this is back in the worst section of Rebel Scum, uh, so I should tell you the mentality <laughs> of the folks there. Okay, um, wait, wait, let's oh, let's right. explain that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. there used to be a thing on Rebel Scum that was the anything goes section where you could talk right. about anything you want, not just Star Wars, but anything. It was called Wooers, you know, after the guy who owns the cantina. <laughs> so it was in the worst section, which is always the the like the it was worst, worst cantina place. or something, right? Yeah, yeah worst cantina. Yep, but. Anyway, a Yak Face hard copy was on eBay. It had the uh, paint chips, like the uh, things that almost look like a keychain, like the paint chips to say what the color uh, codes are going to be for each thing. Right. Uh -huh. And someone posted on words, why would someone pay $5,000 for a action figure with a keychain? It's not even mint. It. It's got like <laughs> chips in his hand or something. And we were trying to explain they, it they, as a hard copy prototype, and they didn't get it at all. They were just like, Using the, a full on his money, a full on his. This thing was like five grand at that oh, point in time. Full on his money, I touchy, love that. <laughs> to touch a Yak Face hard copy right now for five grand, I'd buy a truckload of them at that price because, you know, that's easily well, there was, you get 20 grand for every hit the market. Uh, there was a shot of it taken apart, you know, where, where you could see the pins and everything, and somebody right. was like, why would they broken. even buy it? It's, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy goes, well, it does come with a nifty keychain. <laughs> <laughs> keychain for the paint chips, that's awesome. <laughs> 
And so, of course, I, I, I tried to do some back and forth with them, and it, it didn't go anywhere. And so I went into the archive chat room at the time, and I was like, hey, guys, check out this thread, and sent, like, Jason Colston and everybody else who was in the chat at the time, went in and just piled on to these guys. It was Andy selling it, too. Like, who, if you can't trust Andy, who can you trust? Right. And, and these guys are like, well, I don't know who that is. I'm like, he's, he's one of the, you know bigger name sellers in the hobby like this guy's been around for years and they're like oh you're you're buying this thing and a fool in his money is all they kept saying over and over again about it and like joe said that thing now would sell for like four times what it went for easily uh, and and it's it's cool too because i think often people hear stories like this or they see it and they think that it's like that the older collectors just sit around making fun of noobs who ask questions like, you know, why is Luke Skywalker's lightsaber yellow? Or like, is this a real vinyl cape Jawa? And that's not really the case. I mean, there are people who do that, but I mean, I don't, I remember being a new collector asking dumb questions. And I remember like you, John would like answer me in a way that made me know I was being a noob, but didn't make me feel put down. And, and it was actually sort of a, it was sort of like a test. It was like, whether or not you could be admitted into the world of vintage Star Wars collecting was whether or not you could, like, stomach being slightly insulted by John Alvarez. <laughs> well, well to, be, to be fair, my trial by fire was being slightly insulted by Chris G. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and my trial by fire by being slightly insulted by Chris Jorglius continues to this day. <laughs> Almost everything he says to me is telling me how I'm an idiot. And then every once in a while we, we have other conversations. Um, but to be fair, I, I usually am being an idiot right before I talk to him. Um, but yeah, but like, like there was this kind of trial by fire thing and that might be gone with Facebook just by the number of people that there are and the inability to read sarcasm. And it is, I, it's always been a gimme, gimme, now, now hobby ever since the internet started. My but it's more so. And so I don't think that like you showing, like I think uh, if Sky showing up now said something stupid and then the John of now said something the way you would have said it, like a little bit harsh, I think I probably would have just got butthurt as opposed to being like, okay, well, I need to that's learn. That's exactly what happened recently. Somebody asked some questions on, on, on the IC and right. I answered them and then they came back with smart-ass responses and so I got a little snarky with them and then of course the heavy-handed moderators there deleted everything I said including all of the information that I shared, all the links that I posted, all the background that they needed, deleted all of it just because somebody got stupid and I got snarky with them. And so I, I messaged Havens and I was like, what the hell's going on? And he's like, oh, I don't know what happened. My, my, my guys did that or whatever. You can repost the information. I'm like, no, I don't need to repost the information. You know, <laughs> I did it. If your people are want, want to be pleasantly stupid, they can. But I tried to help them. Yeah. But it, it, everybody just gets their feelings hurt and it, it, it just ends up with everything deleted. Nobody gives a shit about information anymore. They just want to be blissfully oh, ignorant, the spend their money. That's when they're making fun of the uh, rocket uh, that uh, was at uh, Celebration, the rocket yes, for Rocket. that's fest. exactly what it was. There was a, a rocket, fest rocket that was for sale, and, and wasn't it uh, Bill selling it? Bill Wills? Yeah, Bill had it. Yeah, it was Bill, it was Bill Wills' table. I don't know if it was his or not. It was someone that was also in... Ack. Hello? Oh, hello? Did we lose him? I think we did. Uh-oh. 
This is going great, though. It, yeah. I think we should call him back. I think we should just forget the Biker Scout stuff, dude. <laughs> should we just, like, not have this be a Biker Scout episode? It's up to you. <laughs> Can we just do Biker Scout Part 2 for 100? I don't know. All yeah. Right. yeah uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. It sounds like we got to get him back, though. <laughs> okay. That. All right, so so we and we, I was we starting got, to sound like Joe. <laughs> okay, we got we got cut off there. So there was a rocket from a rocket fet. Just the rocket was for sale at mm-hmm. Bill Will's table, and that somehow had to do with someone thinking John wasn't nice. Well, because they were making fun of the price sticker, which is five thousand for it. Which, as I was saying before, I get disconnected. That if you have a you know rocket fet that's missing its rocket, that five thousand dollar price tag really isn't that steep. Yeah. <laughs> But, but the you know the folks on IC didn't grasp why it was five thousand and didn't really care for us to tell them explain why five thousand wasn't really you know an out of line price if it's something you need. It's yeah. a very it, finite market that needs such a thing, but it's still some the person that does need it is not going to argue about paying that kind of money for it. You know, you know, I think first of all, fullness money. Second of all, um, yes, <laughs> no, but like I think there's a really important thing in what you said there. That was, you said the folks at IC, you know, thought that it was too expensive. I think part of the problem is that because everything's so fractured, no group, like it's really hard for a group to have a specific identity. So any group that is intentionally open, like to many, many, many people, like the IC is, that is extremely welcoming like the most welcoming, like they don't turn away anybody. I mean, they kicked out nine ass, yay. But you know, like, because they're so welcoming. And me. Right, and you. What did you ever do, ever? Okay, um, but like, I almost got banned, but I didn't, which is good. Um, but like, because they're so open, to say that the folks that I see didn't understand, I don't actually think that's accurate. Probably the majority of people on the IC would understand why it was $5,000, right? Like like probably at least 51% would know, probably 30% would understand pretty well, maybe 10% of them, you know, totally understand and were tearing out their hair just like you were when they saw that. But like, because they're so much bigger, like they just had to, of course, of the 30,000 people who go there every day, whatever it is, 10 of them don't understand why that's that. And and for us, we see it as I see people don't understand it. When really it's more like Warhurs people <laughs> don't understand it, you know? Like they get they well, get that's everybody. the irony is I actually thought about that thread as this was going on. I was like it's it's the yak face all over again. And I actually mentioned that yak face thread in that thread that got deleted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Steve, do you, do you hear uh, what I'm saying? Though? It's probably the same mentality of collectors. Yeah, but, but do you see what I'm saying though about that, Steve? Yeah, no. Like... Per- Percentage-wise, yeah, when you, when you have a, a population that big, yeah, no, I, I I I get what you're saying. And just with with no controls, yeah, it's that... vocal minority, yeah, right? A, a vocal minority, and then on Rebel Scum, it was just so controlled. You had to do so much to sign up to be on it, and it was the only game in town. And your reputation was on the line, and you couldn't just go to some other group if it wasn't working, you know, not realistically. So, like, the words had more weight, and, like, you would never say that, like, if there was, some, if there was like, two or three idiots on a Rebel Scum thread, you wouldn't say, oh, the Rebel Scum crowd doesn't understand this. 
because the Rebel Scum crowd was mostly John and Tommy and Mike and all the people you know who, who we still like and people who left who are great and don't 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 post anymore, whatever, who don't collect anymore. But I mean, even if you take something like I don't know, like the twelve back group, right? I mean, they are slightly more selective. The the level of, of conversation is better there, but still, I don't know. I, there's uh, Steve, I'm not quite there with my theory. But, but the, fra- the fracturing is the key to all of it. Philip did a really good job for years of making Rebel Scum the only game in town. There was competition. There used to be an archive board, and he made an arrangement with Gus, and Gus shut down the archive board and actually had a splash page that when you went to the archive board, it would say, these boards are no longer active. You can find us on the Rebel Scum boards. Yeah. And he worked out a deal with Collect Star Wars with uh, Banana Punk, the guy who used to run it, Mike. And Mike merged the forums with Rebel Scum, and they were the two biggest in town. In fact, Collect Star Wars was much bigger than Rebel Scum. Rebel Scum used to have a crappy little board called the Rebel Lounge, and when they merged with Collect Star Wars, that's where all the community was. We'd all gone from Ras V to there, right. and yeah. when that jump happened, well, the bounty, everything the together. Forms in between that two? Well, that's the one I'm talking about. Count- yeah, the Bounty Hunter forums was collectstarwars.com. Oh, well, it was okay. Bounty Hunter Collective. Yeah, it was the same thing. Wow. Okay. So, the, the, so those all merged up, and the archive shut its boards down, and everybody was funneled to Rebel Scum. So, like, Philip had created the center for all collecting, and, and that's the problem with Facebook collecting is there's 10,000 groups, and some of them are the same damn thing with just a different name on it. Whereas Rebel Scum, it was like, if you wanted to talk about vintage, you went to the vintage section of Rebel Scum, and that's where you talked about it. Everybody who's everybody was there. Now it's like, oh, did you see that thing that happened? Well, which board of the 120 that I've been added to did it take place on? You know, it's very hard to keep track of information, and there's no history because Facebook deletes everything. So it, it is, it, Chris warned people for years about fracturing. And this, this is what happens now, is, is what you're saying. There's so many different forms and so many different mentalities, and it's just out of control now. Yeah, yeah. I, I always try to be positive about it and go in the positive. But you know what, Steve? We're here with John and Joe, so screw the positives. If you want to hear me saying positive things about Facebook, listen to, like, the other 99 episodes. I want to look cool in front of my old grumpy friends who have been old and grumpy since they were young, by the way. Both John and Joe were born old grumpy men. They're just lucky that they're getting, you know, when they become, like, 90 years old, they'll finally be old enough to be as grumpy as they've always been. Get off my lawn. Get out of my hobby. Um, <laughs> would I say that out loud? <laughs> um, only every day, Joe. <laughs> oh wow! What, Steve? I, I I was when when the thing cut out. I'm like, because uh, I didn't anticipate this going this well. This is what I'd like to say. Uh, sort of a call out to the to the people listening. If you want more old time stories with John and Joe. I'm really enjoying this, uh, the the the, 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 the Waldorf and Statler um, podcast. Just let us know. We'll, nice. we'll, we'll we'll do more of those. But let's let's actually yes. get back to the Biker Scout, Steve, shall we? Oh, yeah, sure. We've, we've done enough hobby navel gazing. Um, which, which, which one am I? Am I, am I Waldorf or Statler? Uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, I think we're gonna need to, to let this 
kind of creep out over a couple more episodes to really get your, <laughs> your characters down. Yeah. But yeah. But one um, of the one of the reasons we thought of you, uh, you two. Well, we thought of Joe because there's a lot of bootleg biker scout figures and. Also, just because you know, we haven't talked to Joe in a long time, um, and then we thought of John because, you know, when it's one of these weird things where the focus collectors show up and they come and they go and they change, but certain people you always associate with a character. Um, yes, I mean the most <laughs> the most famous of that is John Wooten and Stormtroopers. I don't think he's owned a Stormtrooper since I started collecting, right? But he's always <laughs> the first name in Stormtroopers, even though he sold everything and just collects Columbus Blue Jackets hockey jerseys. I'm not joking. Um, I, I believe it. <laughs> but by the way, he has the world's best collection of Columbus Blue Jackets hockey jerseys. I would expect nothing else. Um, uh, but uh, so John and Biker Scouts. So we're just going to treat him, Steve, as though it's 2005. Right, we're, we're going to go back. To go back. About yeah. his Biker Scout. So, John, why did you start collecting Biker Scouts? Is it because you're a motorcycle man? <laughs> you, you want the real story? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when I started out, I was a modern collector. And uh, I picked up a lot of set pieces because I was a set fanboy. Still kind of am. And um, as I started to, prices started to rise on set stuff. And I'm, I'm looking at the prices of these and I'm looking at, you know, slash, no slash on his glove and missing dots on his glove and missing emblems. And some of these are starting to go for like four or $500. And I'm thinking for this type of money, I could start buying vintage stuff. And so I started looking at vintage stuff and set stuff's kind of pricey. And I, I was like, I really, really like this whole idea of this focus thing. You know, at the time, I was one of the few doing this. I didn't know John Wooten yet, but I, I had met um, Bill McBride and uh, uh, Joey Santuan, uh, who, who used to have, and I, don't, I don't know if he still has it, but had a, a pretty impressive Royal Guard run at the time. And those are the only two other guys I'd ever seen that were just... Um, focus collecting and then, then I met uh, Jeffrey Coe who used to go by only Boba Fett and uh, he was like my Boba Fett competition the two of us used to always go after all the big stuff but as I moved into vintage I was like I can't really afford to throw all this money around to stay with the focus I, I want to focus on something I like this idea I like the way it looks all of the same type of character and uh, you know everybody likes the bad guys everybody likes stormtroopers but I always really dug the the biker scout helmets and stuff from when I was a kid seeing Jedi and I was like I'm going to start looking at pieces like this and I realized there's a lot of different card backs I can get there's licensed there's unlicensed there's lots of pictures of it on like cups and mugs and other stupid crap and uh, basically that's how I started putting it together but uh, and now that was around like in, 2001 maybe or what? Uh, 2000 2001 probably closer to 2000 okay. and uh I, I came in I came in fairly hardcore. My first three purchases, I think, were setting up... I went from collecting modern stuff, paying 5 and $10 for carded figures, to setting up payment plans with Tom Derby and Tom Nyheisel. And in one shot, I set up payments for a 65C Chromalin, an uncut 65A, and the uh, uh, proof sheet for the child-sized pistol. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> and <laughs> those then, were the first three vintage pieces I bought. Three. I didn't go for I didn't go for carded. I didn't go for loose. <laughs> I went and I bought three prototypes and set up payment plans with both Toms. Now what? What, did, was like, what did that cost? This is how I'm going to do it. Uh, the uncut sheet was uh, I think 150. Uh-huh. The uncut 65A card back I think was also 150. And I want to say the chromalin was three hundred. Wow! So I was paying down six hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so you started off like that, and then, and that, and then, where, where did you go? Like, when, when were you at the height of your biker scout mania? Like, like when? I, I don't know it. Probably like two thousand four uh, or something. I, I mean, yeah, I, I started picking up and. Um, it was weird because I, here I am picking up stuff like this and then I'm looking around for, oh, here's a cool store display that's got a picture on it and, and here's a, you know, some kind of a cup or something that has a picture on it. So I, I was grabbing really expensive stuff and really cheesy stuff at the same time. Um, but yeah, over a couple of years I'd started, I think the main big thing that I was going for was after I got the 65C Chromalin. No, you know what? I, I, I also, uh, I think I got the 65C Chromalin from, um, from, oh, I got the 65C Chromalin from Mensinger and the, uh, it was the 65C proof card that I got from Tom, Tom, uh, Der- Derby. So that was it. So I had three deals going at the same time. <laughs> so I had the chromalin and and the matching card back, which was a one of a kind at the time, and then the the box proof sheet, and then the uncut sixty five A. So the four of those pieces I set up deals for all at the same time as my first purchase. So the I had already two card backs and a chromalin, so I started going for proofs. And, and, and that, that was one of the yeah. things I wanted to figure out was, yeah. was how to finish that run. Right. And you, you did eventually pretty much finish the run for all intents and purposes, Wooten, right? Yeah. Wooten gave me the last one that I needed. These uh, uh, signed samples came up. Uh, he had a stack of them that were all signed off on by the same person. Um, wow, Jedi, Jedi signed samples? I, I, I guess yeah, I they, they were Jedi proof cards, but there was like a sign off. There was like a sign off on the card back. Okay. If you look on the archive for for the picture of my run, yeah. you'll you'll see there's one of them on there. Um, we'll definitely link to that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I see it here. It says February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. It was. It, it's just like a handwritten signature that was on there. But he had a stack of them, and they were all signed off on by the same person. So I don't know what they were looking for but it was that person's qc job to like approve those card backs and that was the last one that i had needed and i didn't realize that i thought there was another card back and i had gotten that one from wooten and i was like okay cool only one more that i need and then i found out that it didn't exist on that card back and i was like crap i guess i'm done like i had finished it like a month or two months earlier and then I realized that the last piece I was missing didn't exist, and I was like, "Well, that's anticlimactic." I finished two months ago. <laughs> that that was like, um, there's this uh, great German movie called Ali Fear Eats the Soul uh, by Fassbender, mm-hmm. and it's a very hard to watch, very deep German erotic movie. And I watched it, and I got really, 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 really tired. And I just said, "You know what? I can't do it anymore. I can't do it." And I, I hit stop on the tape. And then I woke up the next morning and I pressed play. And literally the first thing he just said, end. <laughs> and so 
I, it was like the most bizarre experience. It was like it was like waking up underground. I was like, "What happened to me?" Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was literally like that. It's so anticlimactic to like think that you're missing something and then realize that you have everything, yeah. but you had finished it a while ago. You think there's one more step? And, I was like, and there's 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 no celebration, no nothing. It was just like, well, I guess I'm done. And and to be clear, he's talking about proof. When he says card backs, he means proof cards. Right. So we'll right, a picture. Right. Yeah, yeah, he has yeah, a complete run of. Of uh, of biker scout card backs and chromalins, or at least he had at the time, and and one thing to to know too, and I've heard about this from other people, is even though you would go from you know you'd become a editor on the archive and one of the most respected figures in the hobby, and now you're sort of a, a shadowy uh, person who's you know got a lot of respect, but people don't necessarily know who you are. Um, at least, <laughs> especially uh, with my name change on Facebook, people don't even know it's me. Yes, but. You, when you were doing this, and I had this on good authority from a lot of people, you were just this annoying kid who was just like hitting people up all the time to buy stuff and just annoying them, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say annoying them, but I, I was <laughs> aggressive yeah, and I got what I wanted. Yeah. So that, that's just something to remember that, that most people who are like the old heads who are telling you, hey, man, back in my day, we had respect. It's like you might have had respect, but it's hard to get these kinds of runs without that kind of like persistence. And right. and I guess annoying this, Steve, is the wrong word for it. I, I don't persistence, know. Persistence. Persistence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, I've, I've managed to I've managed to cut deals with Gus. I've managed to cut deals with Vic and Lisa. Wow. I've managed to cut deals with some of the hardest people to cut deals with in the hobby because I found ways to make it work. If, if, if it's not this, then what will it take? Like, Brock can attest to this. Me, me and him, I, I always compared it to, uh, uh, what's his name from the A-Team, Hannibal. I, when, when I was working a deal, I was on the jazz. Like, I was <laughs> never happier than when I was trying to get something from somebody and had to ask 10 other people for stuff to get that stuff. It's like, well, what do you want for this? I want one of these. Okay, you have one of these. What do you want to get rid of that? I want one of these. Okay, I got to find one of these now. How do I get this? And I would just keep going from person to person. It's like, I got this for you. Give me that. Now I can give this to you. Give me that. Now I can give this to the other person. Give me that. Now I can give this to the person that I want to get it from to get the thing that I want. And it took 10 people and $50,000 in deals to make that one thing happen. That's a lot of stress. (laughs) From from my perspective, that does not, no. Yeah, you're you're right. But that's the way me me and Brock deal like that. Brock will tell you if there's not 10 moving parts, it's not a deal. Yeah, wow. Awesome. I, I've been I've been there to be a few of those phone calls when John's trying to make things happen like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Remember remember the street art? I called I called him up from from uh, from uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I'm like, Hey Joe, and he's like, What do you want? Just the way I said it. He's like, What do you want? And I'm like, Are you interested in buying my leads? And he's like, Well, how about this and that? And I'm like, Okay, well, how about if I throw this in? And he um, and he's like. I'm not going to get off the phone until I give you like $2,000 or something, am I? And I was like, no. So let's make this <laughs> No, no. Work. I said, how much do you need, John? I was like, how much yeah. do you need, John? Like, I'm not getting off the phone until I give you that much, am I? And you're like, no. <laughs> and we made it work. And I, I, I got stuff from Joe and I got stuff from uh, Darren and I gave Tom Derby a check. <laughs> but that's just the way it was. Like when it came to working deals, I made them work. 
I got I got what I wanted a lot of times, and that's one of the things I miss most about not being as active in the hobby is making deals work. Yeah, I, I guess I could have been annoying sometimes, but I was always respectful of people. If somebody told me flat out no, I would leave them alone. Yeah. But if they were wishy-washy about it, I knew I could bend them. <laughs> or, or I could try Joe's approach and just go into people's houses and just start taking stuff off their shelves and selling a basket. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it. Don't hey, laugh. I make, trade, I make trades work that way too. I make trades work that way. Uh, um, I just actually. So yeah, so I, yeah. I guess I was the annoying kid, but that's how I got a lot of my biker scouts. Yeah, I I was um, just kind of like looking in in the old Rebel Scum uh, um, like mailbox because I was hoping to find the earliest messages that I sent to you, John, but they were all wiped back <laughs> in 2012. But I found like I was trying to do a trade. And I thought it was like last year and it, it fell through. I was trying to make it with Greg in uh, Singapore. And uh, it was 2012 that I, that this deal <laughs> fell through. But like literally if you asked me, I would have been like 2017 or 18. I don't remember exactly when we tried to make Jesus this deal. <laughs> wow. Uh, so funny. Uh, it's one of those yeah. deals where it was a good trade in terms of spiritual value, but not in terms of money value. So it didn't work out. Anyways. Um, all right, so so then you 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 when did you sell out, John? Your your biker well, scout stuff. I, I, I know you still collect. My biker scout. Yeah. My biker scout run went through phases. Um, the first thing that went was all of the miscellaneous stuff went to James. Um, I needed the money for something else, and I got rid of all the cups and and you know modern box stuff and, and whatever else. That stuff went to him. And the second phase of getting rid of stuff was the bootlegs went. Um, the bootlegs went between Joe and Darren to fund the street art. So that whole phone conversation that we just had, that was me basically selling, I think, all of my biker scouts and all of my leads to Joe, my, my model trim leads. And the rest that didn't go to Joe went to my friend Darren, and the two of them gave me enough money to buy the Screed card art. Right. So the, so the, the Admiral that Screed, just left me with prototypes. Right. Right. And you had a so good had, number of, of stuff for the the speeder bike itself too. I mean, you had the the photo art for the packaging, isn't that right? Yes. Um, the photo art for the packaging. I had a box sample. Uh, I had an, I literally had an entire bag of like first shot parts that I'd gotten from somebody. Literally, there there were like dozens of like engines in there and like flaps and legs in different colors. Like it was just a whole box of parts. Uh, I had a white. One of the cooler pieces besides the photo art was I had a white flat, and the flat was a different size from the production one. It was smaller which made me think it was a very early sample and they'd realized they need to make the box bigger. And it had the, the box company's label on it. I got that from Dan Florida along with a regular flat, which has square corners instead of rounded corners on it. And the fold was perforated. Like those two production ones never looked like that. They were really cool pieces. I think I got those with the photo art from Florida, Dan Florida years ago. Okay. Um, and... Um, so, so you willed it down to your prototypes. Yeah. And, and then I think there. that was the speeder bike run. The speeder bike yeah. run went to Brock years ago, Bro who helped right. me add. He helps me add an IG88 
12 inch hard copy to my collection mm. and the the price for that was my entire speeder bike run <laughs> <laughs> i've got a great picture of me and him together I'd, I'd share it if he doesn't mind but it's both of us at my dining room table and and i've got the ig in front of me and he's just got this whole pile of like speeder bike stuff in front of him <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great yeah wow it's and then the rest of the stuff just went um um, again, for screed stuff, I was trying to fill out my screed run, and the rest of the biker scout stuff went um, actually to Brock too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my prototype stuff went to Brock as well. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brock is like a—he's a... like this black hole that just sucks prototypes in. <laughs> And then spits them out and trades them around, and well, not so much a block. <laughs> yeah, black yeah, hole. yeah. More, more like What's... one of those, um, one of those like uh, um, fake vacuums that you know babies use with the little balls that go popping up. <laughs> you know, it's like you sort of put it, and you sort of pop around and fly around the hobby, and, and you know, some of them stay with him, but for the most part, yeah. Yeah, that's it's uh, nuts. Well, it's 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 just kind of crazy to see the the life cycle of it. You know, I held point, that stuff I, for many, 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 many years. Though yeah, I, I had that yeah. biker scout run for probably over a decade. I was putting right. that together. Right. But when the screed stuff started popping up, the the chance to put together a screed run, like people have a hard time adding a screed to their collection. I put together a screed run. I had almost everything that was available in the hobby, and um, it it took a lot of cash to put that together, and so things that I wanted like it was like well the biker scout run I, I, I realized I was defeated with I was never going to be able to fill it out anymore I had everything there was that was out there and Phidias had like the four best pieces he'd gotten the, the sculpt or three best pieces he'd gotten the sculpt the only known com uh, unpainted hard copy and the only known painted hard copy and we could not work out a deal no matter what he had screed pieces and biker scout pieces and I couldn't trade him my screeds to finish the biker scout run and I couldn't trade him the biker scouts to finish the screed run. Like we couldn't work out a deal in either direction. So I just got rid of my biker scout stuff and just did what I could to fill out the screed run because I could do more with that than with the biker scouts. Yeah. I had more, I had more pieces like coin pieces and stuff like that. The scout coin pieces Mike Mensinger has had for years and I, I knew he was attached to them and he wouldn't let them go. So I had a chance to do more of a comprehensive figure run with screed because I had figure stuff, card back stuff, coin stuff, a little bit of everything for that. Yeah. And that's what I wanted was kind of a comprehensive figure run. So yeah. unfortunately, my Biker Scout stuff that I very much do still love uh, went in separate places. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, do you, do you wish you could undo it? Not, not monetarily, but like, would you, like if you could just press a button and just just have here's the thing i loved my screed run too right and in this in this hobby when i first 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 started out i was one of those where i don't sell anything and there's some people like that and they they can do that but i realized a long time ago if you don't have a lot of money and you can't just offer people obscene amounts of money to get stuff from them you have to trade stuff and yeah. trade is a good way to get things from people and so I learned that sometimes you have to look at what you have and think, which do I want more? 
Mm-hmm. And putting together the screed run was more important to me. Do I miss the scout stuff? Yes, but if I hadn't given them up, I wouldn't have been able to get the screed run. Okay, so so you you no regrets. You're you're fine with where it went, and no regrets. Yes, awesome. <laughs> oh, Steve, I this I thought we were gonna have a lot more time to talk to Joe about biker scouts and bootlegs, but I don't even know. What? I mean. I think we still do. Yeah, we we? got it. As as long as you guys are all okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, what I I just it seems like the scouts DNA is is kind of all over the place with with bootleg stuff. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, uh, an epic uh, rundown. But I think it's it's worth mentioning kind of maybe some of the the most important points about it. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So obviously, Like we were talking about before we went on the air, how the biker scout is so prevalent in the uh, Polish articulated line because they use his limbs for more than half of the other figures besides him. Yes. Right. Um, they also use the speeder bike on the uh, first generation second uh, series uh, card backs. Right. Okay, so the first, gen- first generation second series card back of Polish bootlegs were with the biker scout image on the back and that's kind of like yes, a, it's like a front. weird sort of like faded out like psychedelic looking biker scout <laughs> right yep okay and then they use the, of- the limbs for half of the third generation fourth no they use them throughout throughout the entire all three generations right okay so the entire the, three generations the scout limbs were very prevalent I have to pull up my article to tell you exactly which figures you know they were on because I'm I'm not, I'm not that I'm not that good. I remember all that stuff off the top of my head, but um, it's you know there's a lot of figures that have biker scout limbs. There's some that have both biker scout limbs and tie pilot limbs, like the um, Imperial Gunner of his versions with both sets of limbs on them out there. Right, right. Don't don't forget too that the unarticulateds were bootlegged off of the articulated, so the unarticulateds also have the biker scout limbs. Right. Yes, they yeah. Do. Right, he's, just, he's everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hungarian bootlegs. Yeah, the Hungarian uh, too, right? Okay, so so, that, so tell what's the story about model, the Hungarian bootlegs? And bike um, was a set of ten, and there was a bike scout in the set. There was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And then and with those Joe for the card backs, it's got the like the style C artwork, right? And they and they have different yes. colors too. I've, I've seen the one on the different colors. There's blue, but yep, there different are colors, other... but they're not. There's blues, there's reds, there's a bunch of other colors, there's yellows. Mm-hmm. They're not figure specific in any way. They're just whatever color paper they were printing them out on that day. Yeah, so you, you could find a biker scout on like a, a blue card back, a, a red card back, and a yellow. Is that right? Uh, yep, or any of the other brown. Or any I other, they did. other ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy that you could really go nuts just with one figure in that line if you really wanted to go for it. Yeah. yeah huh. That would be an that amazing run just to have every bootleg that had anything to do with the Biker Scout. You'd have a really interesting looking collection. <laughs> just unarticulated alone. At one point, I had 21 different colors. Really? Wow. And after I sold that off, I think that went to Darren and Darren, or or maybe you and Darren split it. But like, there's been more even added to that one. Wow! Yeah, I probably have at least twenty five different color variations on that figure. Huh. You have one of my favorite pieces. You've got uh, a Mexican figure. You picked it up the year that that we both went down to Mexico, 
and I want to say it's like a, a weekway or something, and it's got a Biker Scout gun molded onto its leg. Really? Oh, it's a bootleg of the it's a bootleg of the Mexican semi-articulated uh, weekway, and it has the Biker Scout weapon on its leg. Yeah, that thing's great. I've got one. I believe Seth has one as well. It's huh. fantastic. Like the leg, it's not like in a holster. It's literally sticking off the side of its leg. <laughs> it's fantastic. I was I was so jealous when he got that. <laughs> and that was such a fun that was such a fun time. Yeah. Wow. That was a that was a great convention. Yeah. Well, Steve. So I think I think you were right. I think we did have enough time to discuss this with <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, do do we want to do a, a quick a quick nugget since since that one was also part of, sure. of John's okay. original? Okay. I will insert the drop here. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my God! They're gorgeous. From the archive. Okay, yes. All right, so what is the nugget from the archive, Steve? What does it have to do with John Alcatraz? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's Biker Scout related, but I, I thought it's probably been quite a while since we talked about some funky clock, so I figured I'd, I'd bring those back in. Um, so what, what we're talking about is some pieces of artwork for the Bradley clocks from, from Return of the Jedi, and John happened to, at one point, own two pieces of... of well, I guess one is a piece of art, and another is actually like a whole run of stuff on, on a what was it a, a stopwatch, right? So, mm-hmm. so the first piece is that it's just a small piece of art that would have been, I guess, is an unproduced clock. Is that right? Yes, uh, I got that one from uh, Chris G years ago. He turned up a whole lot of them, and that one was in there. And that one's an actual piece of artwork. It's it's like uh, painted onto vellum. It looks like it's gray from the picture, mm-hmm. but that's actually just like a gray piece of paper behind vellum. It's just painted on onion paper. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's hard to describe. It's like a blue outline with twelve figure with twelve you know the twelve numbers of a clock. You can't really see three because it's obscured by the speeder bike, which is at kind of this intense angle sort of going down towards you and uh, and it says speeder bike on it and that would have been a really nice item I suppose the speeder bike itself would have been on the second hand going around right that's what I always assume too yeah that would have been an awesome clock <laughs> <laughs> but sadly that that never made it that was never made um, yes that right. one was unproduced the other one was produced Right. So the other one, it's it's a, a stopwatch, and you you had at least this nice run of stuff that kind of steps through the whole process of of what went into making it. Um, so you have this, uh, what is it? It's kind of like an art layout where you're, you can see the the kind of rough design and color scheme, and then underneath it, it's like a hand done paste up of the different elements that would have been on the stopwatch. And this is all done on like like on a larger sheet of paper, right? So it's it's not much bigger than the actual clock. And, and again, we we need to. It, it's probably yeah. on about an eight and a half by eleven or so. Yeah. Okay. And we we need to make it very clear. We've never talked about the stopwatch before. No. But this we've is never have, now yeah. one second. This is according to the box an all-purpose yes. professional. <laughs> 
quartz timer. When I was a yeah. kid, I thought that quartz had some kind of magical power because like all the cool watches were quartz. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. You know, it was like nougat. It was like something that I knew it existed, but they could have made it up. In the same way that I thought that lemon was a real fruit, like the cross between lemon and lime, because Sprite used to advertise it. So, anyways, this is yes. according to the box, which is a beautiful gray Jedi box with a black yes. and white art, all-purpose professional quartz timer. the The watch itself is very nice because it has a red. It's on a light blue background. It has a red ring, and then this black and white biker scout. Uh, sort of in the in the bottom quadrant of it. So I just want to yeah. give a description of what this art actually what was. The actual, right, and it's what it the art yeah. of the biker scout as it was drawn with the layout boards and the colors of the of the watch itself. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that stopwatch can be exceedingly difficult to find. Really. I spent years trying to find that watch in that beat up box. <laughs> it was easier getting the, the, the layout board and the ad slick that was used for the image than it was to actually get the production stopwatch. I wound up getting it from Derby once. He got one in and listed it on eBay, and somebody sent me a message saying, hey, man, there's that stopwatch you've been looking for. But I looked for it for probably over a year before I found even one just to put next to the, the layout board on a shelf. Funny how that that works sometimes. Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned the, the yeah the ad slick. So this they had like a set of these that were I guess for all sorts of products, but it has that kind of just basic black and white artwork. And you'll probably see this this biker scout image on a lot of Jedi crap. But yeah, it's it's uh it's cool to see it kind of put to use here for this this watch. Um, yeah, I, I just it, it came it dawned on me right as we were about to start. I'm like, oh wait a minute. I think this was John, so I figured he might as well have you on here. Um, yeah, Bill, Bill Cable and Ed turned up a stack of slicks years ago. Not not fluffy Ed, uh, Ed, Ed from Ohio. Um, the two of them turned up a, a stack of slicks years ago, and I got that from them. So I had that before I got the layout, and then I realized, oh, wow, this is the same image, so I just paired right. it with it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, that was a great nugget and kind of an unloved item as well, because yeah. this yeah. this stopwatch, professional quartz. We're talking quartz, Steve. I just bought wedding rings, and I had to choose between fourteen and eighteen karat gold. And and if if the jeweler had told me that I could buy a real quartz ring, I would have been like, well, okay, I've got a. That's a tougher I, decision there. I gotta go with quartz because everyone knows that is the finest element. I don't. Is quartz an element? The trademark stupidity. Also, my fiance uh, is a scientist, so I'm sure she knows the answer to that. <laughs> is quartz uh, an element? I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just going to. I'm just going to not know. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's it's late for me. I know that John has to get up and and grade final exams. Uh, ha ha! <laughs> I, I did that a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, uh, thank you guys for showing up. I think we may end up having yeah. to get get Stal, uh, Statler and Waldorf back on again. And you guys, I can, think so. You yeah. know what you can do? Just like email each other and text each other. Like, oh, we totally should have brought up this, and just come back on and just like, you know, because we haven't talked about Banksy or, or Banky, whatever that guy's name was. And oh my god, Banksy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah see, that, 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 that's we gotta tease that. Yeah, for, we're, for we're gonna we're gonna tease games. that. We're gonna tease that for the next one because Steve and I have so much more biker scout stuff to get to. But uh, <laughs> but but thanks for coming on. Thank you for being yeah. being such good friends. You know, I think 
when people see, because you know, I, I often defend Michael Havens, and and Joe always attacks him, and so people might get the impression that like, because I have to moderate a page in which Joe is constantly attacking Michael Havens, and I'm telling Joe to knock it off, that there's like some personal beef or anything like that, and it's just the opposite. It's like when you've known people as much as we've known each other, it's like not even close to an impediment, you know? And, and maybe that's really what we're lacking is a little bit of that honesty that is kindness that comes across <laughs> as cruelty, you know? <laughs> like Facebook is not a good place for that. Um, so The whole thing is it's not a personal beef. It's, I just think he's incredibly bad for the hobby. I think he wants to turn the hobby into his domain and, you know, rule over it as a roost. And <laughs> yeah. And so much more is... I can't stand his ego and his, the falseness of his persona than it is anything he's ever done to me personally. Right. And, and yeah, I've never had any personal issues with him either. I, I just don't like some of the acts. I have, but I, I have, I think that his overall is far worse than anything he's ever done to me. So, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, what a, what a cool thing to be able to disagree on that. And for me to be able to hear you and not think you're a jerk and hear him and not think he's a jerk and just like, you know, we can all kind of... Hey, I'm losing my edge if you don't think I'm a jerk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know what's funny, John? And this will be the note we can go out on. I was realizing that you were my Michael Havens. Because... Get out of here. No, you were. Because, listen, what Michael Havens does for most collectors is if they're just starting out and they want to be vintage collectors, he's the guy who says, Welcome, brother. Come hang out with me, brother. <laughs> You're my friend, brother. And that's who you were, John. Yeah, the difference John. is John has actual knowledge and Michael just has nothing but a big group. Right. But, I mean, whatever that is, I'm, I'm trying to be nice to both of you here while insulting you both, which is my specialty. My specialty. Um, is So, like, when, when I came to Celebration 3, you were the only of the old heads who knew who I was because you paid attention to the forums, unlike, you know, Ron didn't pay attention to the forums and Chris did a little bit, but in general... Like, you were the one who introduced me to people. You were the one who made me feel welcomed. Like, I thought that you were the absolute dead center of the vintage collecting hobby. John, no joke, I thought you were the most important person in vintage collecting. <laughs> and, uh, how'd and, that work out for you? <laughs> it worked out well. Do you know why? Because you knew the people who were. So it worked out for me. Um, but <laughs> I actually knew the important people. I just wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, so so I, I think that's that's why I think like that's what you you were the original Michael Havens, um, and, and you're one of Joe's best friends. So I'll let you guys at home try to do the math on how that all works out because I'm pretty sure the answer is love. Um, <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, well, awesome. I don't get a chance to talk much hobby, so thanks for having me tonight, guys. Yeah. Yeah. My life's been so hectic lately. It's nice just to be able to talk a little bit. I don't get out to many events or anything, so this was awesome. Well, you're, you're always welcome here, John. Same, same here, Joe. Thanks, thanks, again, thanks again, guys. Yeah, Thank you guys too. for having me. All right. Hey, Sky. Hey, all right. So we're back after that. <laughs> That was that was awesome. That I was a little bit afraid because like they weren't super Johnny on the spot with responding to our text messages about like if they were going to be able to do it. Um, so I was a little bit afraid that they were just going to be like not into it, but they were definitely into it. That yeah, was awesome. no, that that, so, that uh, 
I had faith. I'm glad it worked out the way it did. So that was great. Yes. Yeah. But let's get back to more Biker Scout. So <laughs> yeah, when we, we last <laughs> left off Sky and Steve's Biker Scout adventure, right. um, I had just learned that they actually made a cosplay pistol for the Biker Scout. <laughs> Right. Which I must have known and not known yeah, at the same that's, time. That's, I'm sure that's one of those things that, that was definitely there at one point. It just it just fluttered away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you, let, let's go more into your research, Steve. What else do you want to talk about with the Biker Scout? Well, the unloved item does kind of have a slight relation to, to the last nugget we talked about. Um, I don't know if you want to okay. do that next. <laughs> okay. Hey, I just I just love that there's something on the archive called a biker scout ditty bag. That that's a what? <laughs> ditty bag. A ditty bag? Yeah. D I T T Y B A G. That's right. <laughs> a ditty bag. Yes, a biker scout ditty bag. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, see how far is this gonna go? <laughs> yeah. Um. No, just tell me. Tell me more about so what is it? I. It's one of those things that I'm like, what? What the hell is a ditty bag? <laughs> <laughs> uh. So it's it's basically one of these little, like, sacks that you would put your weird trinkets in when you go camping or. I guess it's something that that sailors use on boats. I don't know, but I just uh-huh. love the. Uh... <laughs> I want okay for a celebration. Anaheim just announced August, two thousand twenty. Yes, I want to drink Cristal champagne out of a ditty bag. <laughs> uh, or Ciroc vodka. If we can't get the Cristal champagne, either way, I want my puff ditty ditty bag, <laughs> and yeah. I I okay so it's for sailors Steve that's yeah, great right <laughs> and it's no. got this crazy image it's got that very same art yes. of the biker scout that right. was on the stopwatch that's right we're, we're in the Return of the Jedi lamentable just cut and paste artwork right time. right but this this has a little bit more to it it, it, it takes some other pieces and kind of makes a, an interesting like end or collage um, so you have that that, that kind of image of the the scout on the speeder bike then you have also that that image of wicket that you see all over the place and then there's another scout image which he's a lot closer in like in the foreground and i don't know i don't remember seeing this too often but uh, i don't know i just thought like it, there's a bunch of we talk a lot about it just crap that return of the jedi was slapped on and uh, this is from adam joseph like so many oh. other, other things we should just and, call this the adam joseph of the month right you know? <laughs> yeah but also it, it just seems i i don't know if you noticed who took the photo of the of the uh of the item on the archive but it's alex bickborn somehow that is actually perfect as well <laughs> yes well this I, other image of of the of the biker scout yeah the biker scout has the ability to be really menacing right right and really scary and the angle that he has he looks like this super duper badass like motorcycle thug who's going to gank you you know what i mean right right but then he's right next to wicket <laughs> and it's a reminder that essentially these super badass biker scout dudes with permanent sunglasses right could just get taken out at any time any time teddy bear yes. you know, just no it's... hope 
It's, they, they, they beat him with their fists, and they were like, oh, we can't even handle this. Yeah, it's that whole thing summed up on a ditty bag. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew there would be some other level of appreciation for this one from you, so I'm glad that that yes. played out the way it did. Um, I love the ditty bag. <laughs> Good. Um, I don't have a whole lot more. There, there's a couple other things to, to to wind down if you're if you're up for it. Oh yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> you, you mentioned Kenner Commercial Theater. Yeah, which, I, I, I didn't know if that was going to work out as a as a theater piece, but there is there is a great uh, line in this commercial. Well, that... well we're just we're just gonna I'm just gonna play the ad. I'm okay. actually gonna listen to it right now. Okay. Um, and uh, I will put it in, then we'll talk about it afterward. Sounds good. Okay, um, this guy here. I'm actually at work. I'm, I'm recording this and editing at the same time. I'm, I'm a bad guy. Anyways, I just realized that the kid who plays with the speeder bike in the commercial is actually cross-eyed. Um, I don't want to make fun of people who are cross-eyed, but it is, it is objectively humorous to see a kid in an old commercial with cross-eyes playing with his speeder bike. So. You can just check that out sometime. Here's the commercial. The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Now for a quick escape on a speeder bike. Speeder bike, you have to put it together. Action figures each sold separately. Meow. I've got you now. Open speed flaps and meow. I'm gonna crash. Biker Scout, you're not all you're cracked up to be. Speeder bike action figures sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. Okay, so uh, I just I just played it and then narrated the entire thing for Steve. Yeah. That so was, what's the that one line lovely. that you like from that, Steve? Just the the biker scout. You're not all you're cracked up to be. Yeah, I mean, do biker scouts have some kind of reputation? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, that's an odd insult. To it a is random. You know that that'd be like like having a battle with someone. You know, and be like. Bavarian foot soldier, you're not all you're cracked up to be. You know, you wouldn't really say that to somebody. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, it doesn't seem like like I think Han Solo is supposed to be saying it in the commercial. It doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, but... and he's wearing his Bespin gear in the right. commercial as well. That's right. That's so it's right. Han Bespin on a speeder bike. All kinds of wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's... And, and another thing I like, he goes, "Open speed flaps." Right. <laughs> so, Steve, I'm not actually, uh, you know, like a physicist. Uh, despite my reputation right right there's no such thing as a speed flap because a flap produces drag which right. makes something go slower slower so you can close a speed flap but you can't <laughs> open a speed flap <laughs> you know it's like open the speed brakes you know right. like right right it, yeah yeah um and they made a great commercial for the fact that it breaks apart in half just yeah. like every single one of my my biker scout, my uh, just sitting in, in your dreams, your dreams of recreating that sequence, just just blowing apart. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of. I think the the biker scout chase was featured in a lot of the early advertisements. It too. is definitely yeah, and in many different countries, like the Mexican ad that we saw starts off with that. Right. Uh, they they really pushed that really hard. The biker scout idea. Yeah, it, it's a it's a cross platform sequence. It's everywhere. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's our not quite commercial theater, but commercial appreciation, I guess. 
Yes, and we don't have a a, a one dollar Blix. Not not this watch. time. No, no. Did, I figured. Did you, uh, did you say something to the guys or? No, but I figured just with the timing, it wasn't going to – a lot of times we'll have a couple of those in the chamber ready to go. But what I'm thinking, what we'll do, now that we're getting close to the end of the, the 65 back characters, something that Brisbane Brisbane and I had been talking about was doing kind of like a, a 65 back spectacular where he can go through the whole range and, and find some interesting stuff rather than just do character by character. And hopefully he's still up for that, so – so when will be the f the last uh, 65 back? Here? We're only a couple away. We're only a couple away, yeah. Um, so I think next we've got Lando Skiff and then uh, Nine Numb. And then if we ever just dare bring back the, the Ewok voodoo that we lost with the, the Chirpa and, and Low Gray <laughs> episode, wow. um, that's it. And then we're on to the next phase, so... Yeah. Wow. All wow. right, Steve. Well, then I'm going to do a market watch for you. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because we have to do a market watch. Yeah. No, time. there has to be. There has to be some some yes. semblance of a market watch. Yeah. One dollar flicks. Market watch. Okay, Steve. So let's pretend that the. A biker scout laser pistol actually exists. Okay. <laughs> okay. Huh? Um, sealed, brand okay. new. What do you think it goes for? And this isn't like a, a high graded thing. It's just on its own. Nope, but it's sealed. Okay. Um, I'm gonna. And you have you have to be within a hundred dollars. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna lose, but uh, let's say three fifty. I think you're within a hundred dollars. It oh. sold for two thirty. Oh, oh, just out. Just but it does have this awesome sticker on it, Steve. That says KB recommends alkaline batteries. Oh. See sales clerk for assistance. Nice. So I think this might be a variation. If you are collecting the Biker Scout laser pistol, you can also get the KB sticker variant. Nice. Admit it, Steve. You kind of want KB I, sticker I, variants I, now, I don't you? I kind of do. I kind of do. Yes. Well, you could have got it if you missed out. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? A black vintage Polish bootleg, uh, first generation 1985 bootleg goes for? Ooh. Oh, boy. Um, I have no idea. Let's say 165. Ooh, 225. Yeah. Oh, right. you were within 100. Congratulations. Hey, all right. Okay. Okay, AFA 85, straight 85, vintage carded figure, unpunched, buy it now, sold for? Uh, uh, maybe, let's say, 400? 550. Dang. Uh. Still, I mean, that's about the best you're going to get of that figure. Yeah. Um, I did yeah. see another interesting one that, okay, now let's do another, another kind of, uh, uh, fun way of doing the market watch of doing, let's pretend that you had a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, let's pretend like you had a thousand bucks. Like what, <laughs> what, what could you buy? Huh. Uh, you could buy a tri logo biker scout for $320 okay. right now, right now you could buy it. 
I didn't know that they were that inexpensive. Uh, the the image is interesting. It's a little bit less green. It's a little bit zoomed up on the right. Chai logo. Right. Okay. Uh, you could also buy a, uh, a Anakin offer for two sixty. We're still underneath a thousand bucks there. Yeah. Uh, you could easily get a dead mint sixty five back as well hmm. uh, for a couple hundred bucks under there. So for a thousand bucks, you could get that. Um, what do you think an AFA ninety five uh, POTF is is being offered for? Ooh, ninety five. Jeez, yes. uh, I not, don't know. It's not sold, but it's for sale. Well, let's say three thousand. I have no idea. Yeah, they're offering it for thirteen. Let's hope they get it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there was our our manufactured market watch. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting to know. Yeah. That that, that was um, good on the spot on the spot market watching there, Sky. Good well, job. Well, I just went by what's the most expensive stuff, and then <laughs> and then went down. There is actually speaking of KB, a a two pack currently for sale with Squid Head, and the Biker Scout, and I swear to God, his torso is just completely yellow. Huh. I mean, the bike. I've never seen Biker Scout torsos degrade. It is just completely degraded. Yikes! Um, but yeah, so you could you could uh, do that as well if you want to put together an Insta collection. Hmm. Um, yeah, you could do a lot worse than just uh, throwing throwing together some of these things. Uh, also, some of them mentioned yeah. the the short mouth. Steve, should we ever mention that at some point in our oh, podcast? Oh the oh the the helmet variation. Yeah. Right. So was it it was the there's one variation that was from Mexico produced yes. in Mexico that has what do they call it the, the short they I call forgot. it a short mouth. Short mouth. So the the black piece like mouthpiece doesn't extend all the way to the bottom of the helmet. Yes. Right. I okay. I call this a legitimate variant. I think it's cool. Um someone gave me one once, Steve. Oh yeah? Uh yep. And uh do you know what I did with it? No, what did you do? I put it in the piñata for the first ever archive party. Really? So someone oh. out there has wow. a short mouth biker scout, which is worth a couple hundred bucks, um, with the archive party holographic sticker on the bottom that's, of it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I had, I was just back home recently and uh, kind of piecing things back together from that fire last summer, and I came across a Nikto figure from the piñata that had that sticker on it. So I, I brought it back home, and it's sitting with the other archive party stuff here down in, in uh, Eagle Rock. so Yeah, I didn't grab any of those. I'm so frustrated. Uh, yeah, uh, well, at least one of us got one. So you got to yes. – I'm sure you'll track one down someday. Yeah. <laughs> you try, pay, pay big money. Right, yeah. You got to track down your, your short mount biker scout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> archive party premium. <laughs> yes. Um, the – I think that's it, Steve. <laughs> that's pretty much – I think so – there was one other kind of dumb thing that we, we could or could not include, which is that 1986 video ad. I don't know if you saw that. I know, Steve. I was just playing with you because I know uh, that was the most important thing to you. No, so if you don't know, all Steve, all Steve thing, cares about is this stupid, oh, what was it like watching the movies? You know, that's what Steve's all about. So I knew there was a VHS thing that he put in the show notes, and I was trying <laughs> to see if you let it go. I would have brought it back, Steve. Don't worry. Uh, um, I know. I know. <laughs> but yes. So, so this is a commercial 
for the VHS release of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, it has the VHS boxes just <laughs> flying along next to the biker scouts. Right. I would love the original art for this. I uh, yeah, I would uh that would be amazing. Uh they even did some like larger this so this I think this particular one just probably came from a magazine, but I think video stores had these awesome kind of lenticular displays that were like that holographic kind of thing where the videotapes were actually like flying if you looked at a different angle. I don't know if you've, you've seen those before, but yeah, it, it is perfectly 1986. Like that, that video cassette box is something that I'll always remember. And I hadn't seen the ad until only a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, it's got some scouts on there flying around in the in the trees with these <laughs> VHS tapes. And there's just a, a few great pieces of. I guess late. I gotta get to bed. But yeah, yeah. Still. Like, they're these things of great corporate dissonance, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, there's, there was a period of time where um, Paramount was owned by Gulf and Western. Right, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just like, you see, like, what? Paramount was owned by a, a, a gas station? Yeah. And there was a time when Sony, uh, when Columbia was owned by Coca-Cola. Right. So, like, all Columbia movies just had Coca-Cola all over them. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, of course, there was a time where Universal was owned by Seagram's. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I boycotted seeing Casino in the theater. But then I saw it four times because it was such a good movie. Um, <laughs> Seagram, Seagram I, boycott lifted. <laughs> yes. And of course, AOL owned Time Warner, which is one of the great weird facts of history. I mean, that's, that's the weirdest one of all of them. But there was a while where CBS and Fox were like yeah. the same thing. I don't even understand what it is. It, yeah, it... it I know for sure with all of their like television and, and home video stuff, like that CBS Fox video thing, that's one of those other things that's that was so early like ingrained in my psyche because of those VHS tapes that had that weird little animated logo and I don't know what point I mean they all got eaten up by something else, obviously. But yeah, the eighties, like seeing that logo with CBS and Fox together is such a thing. Yeah, I mean these are two extreme you know, I, I looked it up. Okay, here we go. Okay. The yeah, CBS Fox Company was a home video entertainment company formed and established in June 1982. Okay, yeah. A merger between 20th Century Fox Video, right. formerly Magnetic Video Corporation, and CBS Video Enterprises, which sold film libraries from major film Amer American films. Right, right. And was also licensed of BBC. The company was based in Farmington Hills, uh, Michigan until 1985. It was founded under a 50-50 venture with 20th Century Fox in 1982 when CBS broke off a previous venture with MGM. During this period, both companies continued to operate independently while maintaining their partnership. A reorganization occurred in 1990 with CBS selling products under CBS video name and mainstream Fox titles controlled by Fox Video. The change enacted in 1991, early 2000s, CBS Fox ceased operations. So there it is. Like, they just did stuff, a joint venture together. Huh. Wait, are you still there? I'm here now. <laughs> okay. Were you gone yeah. there for anything? For, for just a second, as you were getting deep in history, I lost you, so I don't know if that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just funny that could have possibly existed. Another yeah. great thing about this image is that the title of the movie is on the bottom of the VHS tape. Which... Right, yeah. <laughs> Lacking verisimilitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And Steve, I know why you put this, is that you wanted me to read the copy, and I will, don't worry. I figured First that, was, of all, that was gonna it, happen, yeah. It says up top, the movie everyone's been waiting for. Which is not inaccurate, but it is not selling Star Wars. Like, every other piece of thing, you know, like, it's out of this world, or come back to the adventure. Right, return, this is return, just return like to that galaxy, yeah, right. The movie everyone's been waiting for. Not even okay. an exclamation point, just period, full stop. Right. <laughs> Reserve your copy and enter the CBS slash Fox video Return of the Jedi sweepstakes now. The CBS Fox video Return of the Jedi sweepstakes is quite a big deal with plenty of prizes, including a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> no, no hyphen. But you have to enter to have a chance to win. So zip over to your local video store and complete an official entry blank right away. Then ask your dealer to reserve your copy of Return of the Jedi. It's the film that completes the most famous trilogy in movie history. All of your favorite characters are back, along with some new ones, and the interstellar saga set, quote, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, someone did not do a good job of that copy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the fact they said is quite a big deal, <laughs> like, that is quite a big deal, not the biggest, like, it's, uh, you know, it's it, got lots of it's like know, the, it's leather-bound the, books. It's the opposite of the, the video game ad where the guy's head explodes, you know? It's <laughs> the polar opposite of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like this is a quite, you know, some people are excited about this. I'm not personally. I don't think you would be. Yeah. But you may want to zip over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a. I have this. Actually, there's a brochure for the sweepstakes that's that's pretty cool. I'll have to share that. I have it somewhere. But uh, yeah, the ad itself. I just love that that art. So thanks for for uh, shoehorning it in here at the end, Sky. Yeah. Well, I think this has been a fun episode because it's – I feel like it's been a little bit Gargan-Largan. At times, but but uh, we're still – I think we're still on track. <laughs> yeah. I mean we we covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah. So, so there you go. Oh, next right, next one's going to be a good one or a big one. <laughs> yeah, episode 100. Um, it's going to be hard for me to find time to record it because in July I'm getting married and yeah. going on a – two-week honeymoon there's, with there's, my, there's some, uh... <laughs> my new wife and my kids. We're going to Serbia. Maybe we'll just do a, a quick uh, uh, brief episode about Serbian collecting finally. Yeah. I've been, I've been teasing it for a little over a year. Um, but I'm 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 going to be uh, meeting with some like super nerds in Serbia. So that can be fun. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, I'll be seeing you real soon here. So, yes. So... For those of you who are, are sitting at home, just imagine on July 6th, a uh, sunny day next to the Atlantic Ocean, uh, Stephen B. Danley will be standing up uh, between me and my, my lovely bride-to-be. Not, not he, falling down the stairs. <laughs> not falling down the stairs. And he will be the one reading the vows and sealing our lives together forever. Um, the last person to do that for me, Steve, uh, was my ex-wife's father. So you are doing a great job already. This is... <laughs> This, you have not sown the seeds for the future dissolution of our marriage by the upbringing. So, oh, good job, boy. Steve. Oh man, <laughs> good job. All right, did I just make it real? Oh, also, you know what, Steve? The Kive cast sucks. Eh, eh, eh. I've got more subscribers on my personal YouTube channel about music uh, still than going. the Kive cast yeah. does. <clears throat> I told you, Steve. I said I will. I'm not going to promote my show, but at some point, I'm going to get bigger than the Kivecast, and now I'm bigger than the Kivecast. It's happened. So it's happened. you guys got to subscribe to us on YouTube. Yes, okay? please do. 
put me down. If you love this show, insult me. Okay. <sighs> oh, fantasy baseball. How are you doing, Steve? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. Let's let's find out. Uh, you you thought that I was going to let you get away with it? No, 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 no. I I knew good and well that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> let's see. How many moves has Steve made? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Steve, you are in sixth place. That's wow. That's respectable for me. Right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can see. I see where you're at. <laughs> well, I'm I'm tied with Brock for first. Ah, yeah. So that's the way things should be. Yes, I I think that that's a sign that all is right in the in the universe. So. <laughs> yes. Although, holy cow. My today, I've got seven runs, four homers, nine RBIs, and one steal. Whoa. That's that's a good day for me. All right. <laughs> Well, Steve, it's Lando Skiff. That's right. Yeah. It's 100. It's marriage. <laughs> it's Wampa Wampa. Adios. Adios.